welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How are you doing? Uh, funny you should ask. I'm in uh, some pain and discomfort right now. Oh my, why is that? Well, um, I have a shameful secret to admit. You know this. This is for the, to the listeners. But listeners, up until about a month ago, I had not been to the dentist since I was a teenager. Right. Um, and so last month I went to the dentist. It went great for given that it was almost half of my life since I was last at the dentist. Wow. The fact that I only had two cavities is that's great. Uh, was uh, you know better than I expected. But I also, in addition to having two cavities, I had some some buildup that I had to go in for. before they can do the cavities. I had to go in for a couple of a, like a couple rounds of deep cleaning. Yeah, and so I had my first deep cleaning today. Um, and uh, yeah, this afternoon when the, uh, when the Novocaine or the, or the anesthetic, or whatever it was wore yeah. off and I felt the effects of someone having been, you know, digging at my gums yeah. for an hour <laughs> earlier that day, uh, I've been, I've been taking some Tylenol, uh, yeah. today, but apparently, I, I don't know. I, I was t- joking about this with, with my wife. I'm a 34 year old man, but in terms of dentist, like experience mm-hmm. i'm still a teenager because i haven't been since i was a teenager sure. and the hygienist and the dentist were both kind of laughing at my reaction to oh. to this today where i I, mean, I I didn't like make it difficult for them to do their job i was very compliant okay but you know from from the neck up where they were working below i was like folding my hands together and just like <laughs> gripping my hands and then i think i was also like uh, wiggling my toes probably. And then I didn't even realize until they pointed it out afterwards, but I had also broken out in a sweat on my brow. Wow. Um, so yeah, it turns out, I mean like then they, um, even the getting the anesthetic, cause first they put the numbing gel on, right. then they stick the needles in your gums to give you the anesthetic. Yeah. Then they go start, you know, drilling away and, oh, and yeah. uh, you know, scraping away at your teeth. None of it actually hurt particularly badly. Yeah because of probably that initial application of anesthetic gel. But I just, I guess I'm just not used to people poking and prodding in my, in my mouth. I'll say this, uh, what gets me, cause I've been to the dentist a lot. I have terrible teeth. Uh, hmm. at this point, a number of them are fake. Um, and, uh, what gets me is cause I would be numbed up for any number of, of things. I had to get a root canal, uh, canal at one point. Um, what got me was the sound and occasionally in the case of the drill, the smell, uh, oh, yeah. oh, but that sound, me back. They, didn't yeah. do the, they didn't, yeah, I didn't get the smell this time, but you're bringing me back to being a kid and hating that. Oh that my smell. gosh. And just that sound. Mm. Cause it, it, you know, the call's coming from inside the house. Like you, it's not yeah. often you hear a scraping sound inside your head. Yeah. It's really uh, horrifying. Yeah. The, I have to go back uh, in, a, in a few weeks for my second round. And the, wow. the hygienist was like, bring headphones next. Like just listen to some music next time. Well, I hope you don't mind ruining whatever music that you <laughs> listen to forever. Um, anyway, so uh, that's where I'm at today is uh, All right. feeling, uh, you know, halfway there or part of the way there to having a normal adult mouth. Here's something that has helped me okay. as I've gotten older. So when I go to the gym, I feel I feel horrible and sore the next day and if i'm being honest a solid three days after Mm -hmm. um 
but I, the thing that ends like, this is very uncomfortable. I can barely stand up, but I do think, yes, but that pain means I did something good. And that actually has, has worked its way into my uh, dental routine as well, where it's like, if I go to the dentist and my gums afterwards are kind of throbbing and they feel oddly itchy, um, Hmm. the, uh, or just irritated, I guess. Uh, I just think like, all right, they, that is because they did something good. That's because I'm on my way to a healthy mouth. No pain, no gain. Absolutely. That means it's working. Uh, speaking like that of which, old head and shoulders thing. So okay, let's pay some bills. Indeed. Um, speaking of the unpleasantness, uh, <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection selection of the best independent, international, and, clax- and classic films every day. Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have thirty days to watch it. That means there's always thirty wonderful films to enjoy, all for only five ninety nine a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Listeners, you are I've said that a billion times. You already know what Mubi is. It's a really awesome service. And here's what is currently available, uh, among other things, obviously. Um, there are several movies by Palme d'Or winner uh, director Volker Schlondorf. Schlorn, Schlondorf. Yes. Yes. Uh, including his 2012 film Calm at Sea, which I have not seen, and I will describe in a moment, uh, along with his 1985 adaptation of Death of a Salesman, starring Dustin Hoffman. I didn't know that he had made that. Um, So the story of Comet C is actually reminiscent. Listeners might recall my describing of Anthropoid. Um, It's similar to that. They're both true stories, but they're different different, uh, countries, um, but very similar in a lot of ways. So in it, uh, communist members of the 1941 French resistance, they shoot and kill a German officer a single German officer uh, and Hitler then demand cause it's occupied France. So he can demand things of the citizenry. And so he demands the deaths of 150 Frenchmen uh, in retribution for, you know, retribution for that one officer's life. And so uh, apparently this is something this, this episode in the war is something that's very well known in mm. France, but I, knew nothing about it just as i didn't know anything about anthropoid and so uh so that is called comet c that is available at movie along with death of a salesman and another film that i unfortunately forgot to write down sorry about that uh and there is volker schlondorf i um i think he's maybe one of his best known things is the the tin drum which is a oh okay yeah i saw that okay reverse movie that i love um i also uh discovered him uh i have very fond memories i'm not sure if you ever I know you know Webster University in St. Louis. Yes. But I don't know if you ever went to see a movie a movie there. But when I first had got my driver's license, that's where I discovered a lot of like current art house cinema, like stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't even big enough to play at like the you know the landmark uh chains in town um and yeah uh, i just uh, along with a lot of other great uh european directors i discovered Volker Schlondorf um there um when uh, for his 2000 film uh the legend of rita okay um he also timely topical he did the 1990 version of the handmaid's tale which oh okay there's a new uh hulu series coming yeah he's been i mean he's been cranking stuff out for decades now Uh, i i did look up the other film that is uh that is available it's called uh ulzan okay um from 2007 so uh so those three films are available uh at mubi right now and there's also a special offer for listeners of battleship pretension uh listen up you can try mubi free for a month just go to mubi.com that's m-u-b-i.com slash battleship and you get a free month and then after that it's 5.99 per month it's a steal it would be a steal at twice the price absolutely 
All right. I want to tell you about, oh, is that it? That is it. I want to tell you about tweaked audio. Is that it? That's everything. That's the way I look at it. Um, not, it's not everything because I also want to tell you about tweaked audio. That's true. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. Uh, they look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them and endorse them each and every day, every chance we get. Um, and you can find them at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. Isn't it nice? Our offer code is battleship for mm-hmm. movie pretension for tweaked together. Here's, here's what's great about that. Uh-huh. You put them together. Yeah. You use them together. Yeah. Exactly. And then you have the whole yes. package. Yes. So you go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Tyler? Yes. As if being at the dentist for the first time wasn't bad enough. Yeah. While I'm sitting there waiting for the anesthetic to kick in, uh, I'm checking Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I learn that uh, one of our favorites, one of our favorite uh, entertainers out there, uh, Don Rickles, uh, has passed away. Yes. And he made it to 90. It wasn't exactly uh, like, yeah. yeah. And he didn't look to be a, a health nut. Uh, but, I mean, he was he didn't waste away. Like he was still doing shows. He had like, there are, there are Don Rickles shows that have to be canceled now because the 90 year old died. (laughs) How great is that? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And from what it sounds like, he did not change his, uh, not, he didn't, he changed his material, but he stuck with that shtick for a while. He was, he was perfectly uh, comfortable to just remain just this angry, mean old guy. But I, uh, you hear all these stories about him. You see him on, on old episodes of Johnny Carson. Uh, you and I, I think, I mean, I knew who Don Rickles was before I saw dirty work, but that's really the thing that, uh, that made him stick see, out. I, I don't even know that I necessarily did. Cause I remember, I mean, what year did dirty work come out? 98. Was it that late? Yeah. Huh. So I guess I must've known who he was then, but yeah, yeah, I think that's the first time I remember him like really making me laugh. Yeah. Um, and that stuff is not, uh, you know, uh, I mean, even that stuff is, you know, hashtag problematic. Sure. Today. It That's is. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> his whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, then of course I would go on to become a bigger comedy nerd and, and become, come on yeah. to, and come to appreciate him, uh, all the more, um, especially the stories about him that aren't, you know, aren't his act. Right. Um, the the Sinatra one is the one I think of. So yeah, uh, when Sinatra was already an established star, Don Rickles was sort of making his name as a comedian. He was working in Las Vegas, um, uh, doing well. You know, decided to have a party, invite like these these bigwigs, people that he you know at this point he didn't you know he would come to be a great friend of Sinatra's, but yeah. someone he didn't really know at that part at that point. Um, uh, introduced Sinatra to his, to his party at his like Vegas yeah. penthouse or whatever. Um, and Sinatra shows, shows up. Well, and he, he says, he's like, Hey Frank, can you come over to my, Oh, booth that's and, like, a different one. D- oh, different, different story. One? Okay. The story that I'm telling you tell that story. on Okay. Time. Cause the story that I'm telling is, um, uh, yeah. Cause your story will take place after this. Okay. One. Um, Sinatra shows up at the party, um, 
Rickles doesn't really know him at that point, but he says, Frank, make yourself at home. Hit somebody. <laughs> and the whole room, like, record scratch, apparently, as the story is told. Everyone looks and sort of waits, and then Sinatra goes, <laughs> And then they yeah. were, like, great friends uh, from then on, then on. Okay, so here's my yes, which Rickles is a, Sinatra another. story. When um, he... Uh, they're at a party and Rickles again, pretty young, uh, just with his, with his friends. And he's, I think he's at a restaurant that Sinatra is at. And so he's there sitting in a booth with his friends and he actually slips off and he says to Sinatra, like, Hey, can you, can you come over and like say hi to my friends and stuff? And Frank's like, yeah, absolutely. So Rickles is sitting in the booth and but like few, specifically he says, can you come you know, to make me look good? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can impress these people. Yeah. I look like that. a, like a real important guy. Yeah. And so he's Rickles sitting there with his friends and Frank comes over, comes over and says like, he goes, Hey Don. And, and Rickles says, he's like, Frank, I'm with people right now. <laughs> Give me a minute. And just, man, I love that so much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And you watch, oh, go ahead. Uh, you watch the like, um, special features on, on casino. Do you ever seen like the, making of the casino stuff. i have not because there you know um rickles is in is in that and uh there's a part where um yeah what is it uh de niro calls him and says you know get your get the shotgun and come to my right. house or whatever and so you see scorsese telling don rickles here's what the scene is he's gonna call and he's got the smile on his face and don rickles goes what are you smiling for you sick fuck this is serious <laughs> business <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know obviously his persona and his jokes were hashtag problematic as you say it's <laughs> off-putting that you make me say that now i didn't that, make you say i that. know but just you ever you only ever say hashtag problematic and now that's what i say uh-huh. you son of a bitch um but uh yeah and obviously he was that but at the same time there he he was very much from that old school where you make fun of people that you seem to have affection for. Like mm-hmm. by all accounts, he was not a mean person to really anybody. Like he would, it was very much a persona. I mean, we are friends with, uh, or rather acquaintances with Jimmy Pardo, who definitely cites Don Rickles as an influence. Uh, and Jimmy does not feel animosity towards people. Like he has an onstage persona and by all accounts, uh, uh, Don Rickles was, was very good to younger comics and, and just, and fans as well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it is a, it is, he, he made it to a, a ripe old age. This is not night. This is not like a tragedy, yeah. uh, like, like a Bill Paxton. Um, but it's still, it's an opportunity to kind of reflect on the kind of comedian he was. Yeah. And the, the, the quintessentially American art of stand-up comedy has lost one of its pillars. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely worth, there, worth mentioning. There aren't many left at this point. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Enough of that. Yes. Why don't you introduce our guest who has been sitting very patiently because yes. he, uh, yeah, uh, had nothing to say about Don Rickles. Absolutely. So, um, I was about to say you've heard him recently, but you actually haven't. You have not heard him recently unless you have purchased our space invaders commentaries, which are now available at battleship com. $10 to hear us talk about the thing predator independence day and signs. And, uh, I will make the intro, uh, here that I made there. Uh, 
when I, when I put it out to people saying like, Hey, we'd love to have you on the, on the commentary. What do you want to do? Our guest today said, sign me up for independence day. He was very excited about it. And he's kind here, of a curveball because one of, of the movies is signs. And he said, sign exactly. And you're like, oh, he wants signs. And he's right. like me up for independence. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he also said, here's the thing. I would like to be a part of <laughs> independence day. Uh, so incidentally, I should tell you that I am a sexual predator anyway. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. Damn it. This guy's smart. Uh, but yeah, so he was, uh, talking with us about independence day and also he's uh, just i like to think an all-around nerd which is what this episode is all about it is terrence johnson hello how you doing doing good how all do you right. feel about being described as an all-around nerd i i, I am looking at your shirt right now yeah. and it has the batman v superman <laughs> logo on it i just threw on a shirt Don't okay I, this is not an endorsement this is, in fact i would tell you not to watch that movie Indeed. um oh, okay. as as somebody with an engineering degree i have no problem with a being called the nerd okay um and as somebody who had braces for four years Mm. and has had multiple deep cleanings in my life i fully understood your pain given the story yeah but you didn't go 15 years without going to the dentist like an idiot you started talking about the sound Uh and immediately i was taken back to to sitting in there the sound is the you know Mm. the sound of it is the worst part no thank you Uh, yeah it's unsettling to have that uh to know i have another a session like today yeah, yeah. you know uh, sitting on the calendar and waiting your, your teeth will thank you though yeah. indeed yes uh, yeah like i said i was really surprised to have only had two cavities if, after all that time if i had waited but i drink a lot of years, water yeah that's I, probably good and i brush <laughs> twice a day and i floss once a day so okay well, that's good pretty standard it's yeah. not bad and I, then the rest I, of the day you're eating oreos but i used to up until maybe 10 years ago i used to have a coke with every meal like including breakfast i would have uh, wow day. even i didn't have that yeah that's that's what i what i did it was i would say i even when i lived in los angeles for the first couple of years that was pretty much how i jeez uh, <laughs> what, what i what i did it was around 2007 that i really and i still drink if it's a special occasion or if I'm feeling down, <laughs> maybe uh, I'll have, I'll have a Coke, but um, I mostly just drink just water and coffee is pretty much all I drink now. And you know, things that have alcohol in them, but that's a whole different category. Right. So Coke, not Pepsi. No. Yeah, definitely not Pepsi. Uh, yeah. I would love to be boycotting Pepsi this week, but I've been boycotting Pepsi for 34 yeah, I, years. I, I think Pepsi is better, but they didn't win me. They didn't, <laughs> haven't had a Pepsi in a while. They haven't won me back. What happened? Yeah, you've been Pepsi? too busy. You haven't been on the, no. Okay. They made a, a pretty stupid commercial. So let's, let's flash all the way back to 2001. Okay. <laughs> And uh, this the the great group, the Chemical Brothers, right? Sure. Have you seen this, mm-hmm. the Chemical Brothers thing? So back in 2001, they made a video uh, for one of their songs with Rosario Dawson in it that was a satirical video about a sort of r- revolution being co-opted by a soft drink company. Sure. Um, now, <laughs> 2017, Pepsi has a commercial that has protesters it's not clear what they're protesting but clearly like tying into all of the resist or you know mm-hmm. the women's march or the black lives matter all the like yeah. there's a protest going on and then there's like a fashion shoot going on next to the protest mm-hmm. and then there's the kendall jenner okay uh, <laughs> i wouldn't be able to pick kendall jenner out of the lineup, <laughs> but she is uh, a the child of no, no i know who yes. she is definitely um uh, I, I say definitely i kind of know that she's involved with the kardashians yeah caitlin and, and chris um okay um but then there's also a kylie is that her sister kylie is the one who had plastic surgery 
and overlined her lips. Okay. Um, so Kendall <laughs> Jenner. Yes, Kendall, Kendall is a model. In the, in the Pepsi commercial, uh, I don't know why I'm saying, Tyler, you're probably literally the only person in the country who hasn't seen this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so there's a, um, uh, the protest is going on. There's a fashion shoot going on, like in the building next to the protest. The fashion photographer and the model, like they decide to break ranks to this. Uh, we're done with this fashion shoot. Kendall Jenner wipes the lipstick off her mouth. They go out into the protest, but instead of joining the protest, no, Kendall Jenner, Kendall, Kendall Jenner is like, I've got the key to this whole situation. She walks up to the line of cops and hands one of them a can of Pepsi. And he like snaps it and drinks and like smiles. And then this is the protesters cheer. That's, that's the real, it's the most tone deaf. It's not great. They're protesting the humorlessness of the cops. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Crack a smile. Crack a smile. Um, it, yeah. It's I like, what, what were they thinking? Like, no, I remember someone saying on, uh, on Twitter where someone was like, I make a point to follow people on all parts of the political spectrum on Twitter. No one likes this ad. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's not great. And then, um, and then they, they pulled it. Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter got on Twitter and was like, if only my dad had had a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, Ooh, you get like, <laughs> you can't get much worse than that. Yeah. It's not a great commercial. <laughs> Pretty yeah. soon, like they'll have like old footage of you know Lee Harvey Oswald coming along, and then Jack <laughs> Ruby says, "Have a Pepsi," yeah, <laughs> and everything's fine. I love that. Well, it, yeah. felt, it felt very you know when Coke has their you know give uh, rather give the world a Coke commercial, mm. and it's like, but that's totally different than having some random model Kardashian girl jump into a protest and hand yeah. the cops a Pepsi, and then all, all of a sudden everything is okay and because wonderful. The, yeah, unlike the the coke thing they're recreating something that like is really happening every day like yes. these protests <laughs> that are about serious issues here's how they could have fixed it here's how they could have done this, this right <laughs> you basically you have it take place like in the 1960s where so you can you can capitalize on protest imagery you can't do the the photo shoot thing but you can capitalize on protest imagery and rather than like have like somebody put a flower like in the barrel of a gun you they hand him a coke or a pepsi pardon me you can so that way you're still evoking you're you're bringing up the past and an idea that we know about which is we're reaching out to the the mm-hmm. army or something like that but there are certain visual parallels to modern day that's how you can do it if you're gonna do it yeah and i still think that's too I'd, close i yeah. vote for don't do it yeah that's, but if that's you're gonna to do go. it that's it was how it just go. dumb because it's like oh if you know handing somebody a can of soda was all that it took to stop police brutality <laughs> then like we could have done that ages ago <laughs> yeah. and yet here we are so um, yeah no yeah great. Uh, yeah uh, speaking of pepsi and coke i was now i can't remember where i was reading this but i was reading about how more people drink Coke. Coke is generally preferred over mm-hmm. Pepsi. Mm-hmm. But Pepsi always wins blind taste tests. Because it tastes better. Now, and here's the re- here, but here's apparently the reason why is the Pepsi is sweeter. Yes, mm-hmm. it has more sugar. So when you're just taking one sip at a time, te- Pepsi tastes better. When you're drinking a whole can at a time, Pepsi tends to be a little overwhelming maybe. And Coke has a more pleasant yeah. uh, follow through. That's, that's the idea. Coke goes well with lots of alcohol. So, <laughs> okay. you know, people... You know, I went to school in Atlanta and it's like the Coke. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I was like a Pepsi drinker in, in the land of Coke products. So that was a very, 
interesting uh, experience. I might have been too just to be a troll. I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I liked RC Cola. What do you think of that? <laughs> wow. Uh, I've never been particular. I'll, I'll buy Shasta. You know, oh wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean uh, I'm from St. Louis, so I should say Vess. Vess was Vess, the uh, right. the off brand uh-huh. um, that we had in the in the St. Louis area. Anyway. All right. Enough of that. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. We're here to talk about other stuff, but, um, uh, how did we get on that? How did we get on to Coke and Pepsi? Oh, uh, we were talking about, uh, dental things yes. and drinking Coke oh, and, and Pepsi. Oh, and then we got and into Pepsi. And, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, but before we move on, we like to do, uh, this is a thing we've been trying to do lately, which is to bring people's attention to the fact that battleship retention is not just a podcast. It's a website. That's right. Um, I don't know why I have to say this. I spend so much time on this freaking website <laughs> and then we put out a survey and everyone's like, Oh, we just listen to the podcast. It's like pod- <laughs> the podcast is just part of the, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's one wing. Now somebody did, we've said that before and somebody did reach out to correct us at least on his own part saying like, the question is, do you consider it more of a podcast than a website as opposed to, do you only, listen to the podcast or do you also uh, so there is a difference mm-hmm. yeah but i don't know uh, that at the I'm same time okay yes. with, i mean i know we were a podcast first but I, I feel like at this point so much work goes into the website and there's so much content on the website yeah. that it it really is in terms of uh level of investment yeah. of, of time and effort we are kind of a website first at this point i'm torn because if it's a website first that's great in a number of ways if it's a podcast first then what they're ultimately saying is well battleship pretension that's david and tyler it's like yeah you're fucking a right it is oh, so uh, it's not all these other exactly. all these other people whose yeah. work i'm about to highlight exactly yes uh but anyway here's what you can find we all know the, who pays the who, who who writes the signs the checks yeah um so over on the website Sarah is still continuing her year-long uh, yeah. trek through our top 100, listener-voted top 100. She's at number 76. She watched uh, last year at Mary and Bad. What did she think of what I think is a, one of the greatest movies of all time? Uh, You'll have, uh, you, you have to go and, and check. i have to check that out because um, I love that movie. All of our WonderCon, uh, all of our Wonder content is uh, our WonderCon oh. coverage uh, is on there. Now you'll um, notice you made the guests sigh deeply. Yeah, that wasn't even me. Yeah, I want, yeah, you want the listeners to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, uh, over at um, I Do Movies Badly, now that Jim has emerged uh, alive from his month of having to watch Kim Ki Duck movies, but not unscathed. Um, not unscathed. Um, he's gone uh, a much more uh, slightly more fun route. Uh, he's kicked off a series on Paul Verhoeven. Indeed. So this is his overlook uh, of Paul Verhoeven. Um, in honor of, uh, I'm guessing, um, the the Feud TV series, um, West over at Musical Notation looked at uh, the singing efforts of Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Matt at SequelCast, Matt and Thrasher over at SequelCast, are looking at the direct-to-video sequel to The Emperor's New Groove, yeah. uh, Kronk's New Groove. Um, now, our guest lit up at that, I didn't Terrence. even know that. Came, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> sequel. I'm going to go check that out now. And then this week, we've got reviews of Colossal, Cezanne et Moi, Graduation, Tickling Giants, and Shot. 
as well as um, the Chicago report, um, which is what's going on in Chicago this week in repertory theaters. And the LA report I'm guessing is coming from Scott. Scott's very busy this week, started a new job. So uh, I haven't been hearing much from Scott. Now, by the time people are hearing this, there will also be uh, a review of the case for Christ, the latest uh, Christian film. Oh, that's exciting. Indeed. I can't wait. Okay. So that's, what's going on on the website. Uh, What's going on. I mentioned WonderCon. Mm -hmm. That's a hint at what we're talking about today. It's more than a hint. We're yeah, talking about WonderCon. We're, yeah. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, let's talk about what we did at this year's uh, WonderCon uh, Anaheim Comic Con. I don't know if you noticed the signage. Um, I did, yes, that, now that you mention it. That uh, uh, Comic Con International, I think, wants to make it more clear to people that WonderCon is part of the Comic Con um, International family. Yeah. So it's, it's called both WonderCon and Anaheim Comic Con. Are they taking their tips from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Because <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, my favorite shirt that I see whenever I'm at Dodgers games is the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great, you know. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's start with Friday. Uh, sure. There's only three days, and I right. only went to two of them. <laughs> Indeed. I, did, I actually did more on Sunday than I expected to, but, uh, but let's, I guess let's go in chronological order and let's start with, uh, now Terrence, were you there all three days? I was there all three days. All right. Yes. Friday. Mm-hmm. What did you do? I went to the troll hunters panel. Okay. Um, this is a DreamWorks TV series. Yes. On Netflix. It okay. is phenomenal. Everybody should watch it. Mm. Um, I love it. I went because I love the show and I'm also, a big nerd building the armor. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> building the armor of one of the characters. Oh, cool. Um, to do some cosplay at comic con. And so I was like, I need to get my question answered of why the hell this costume is so difficult and unique. <laughs> and they answered it because it was like, the, like the forearm pieces on the costume are different as well as the hand pieces and the shoulder pieces are different. And they said the reason they did that was because, uh, they wanted to mirror how minerals grow because all of these trolls, they have an underground troll market and they deal with a lot of minerals and their minerals growing on their skin. So when the troll hunter finally, when the troll hunter sort of mantle passes onto a human, the costume mirrors that as well. And I thought that was fascinating. That's a great answer. Um, to learn about that. Uh, I never thought it was going to be that detailed. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were just going to be like, we just wanted it to look cool. Um, so seeing that was pretty awesome. That's great. I mean, Tyler and I have talked about these conventions and how often the the audience Q&A can be uh, just cringe-inducing. Interminable. Yeah. Um, yes. And I will have, when we get to the Warner Brothers panel, I'll have uh, a story. Ooh, I can't um, wait to hear about this because I missed that panel. <laughs> um, but uh, that's a great, I would have been pleasantly surprised uh, had I been sitting in that, in that panel to have such a good answer. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, and then I'm, trying, I'm like looking through my schedule to see what I did. I didn't get into the psychology of Hogwarts houses. I I tried to as well. I'm surprised oh. I actually didn't see you. I guess that we were standing so in the mad. same line. Particularly because I was dressed up as a Slytherin student. Mm. I was going to ask because I didn't actually see you at all this year. Yeah, but yeah, last year in in Los Angeles you dressed as yes. A- I was I was I reprised my lifelong role as a Slytherin student. Um, because I've been sorted into Slytherin on Pottermore mm. and BuzzFeed and any other Harry oh, Potter related really? test. Yes. So now, obviously, now this might be a bit reductive, but that means that you're evil. <laughs> no, correct? not all Slytherin Slytherin is, evil. Uh, Slytherin's no. usually it's Slytherins the, are like the Targaryens. You know, you flip oh, a coin. That's from Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. You have to remember that 
Albus Severus Dumbledore is named after two headmasters of Hogwarts. One of them was a Slytherin. Yes. And he was the bravest man Harry ever knew. Merlin, the greatest wizard of all time, was in Slytherin. Wow. Yes. That's pretty neat. Wait, according to, where is that from? According to J.K. Rowling. Oh. Now, see, that's not not canon just because she tweeted it. No, it's in Pottermore. Like that's when you, canon when you get yes when you get sorted into the houses you get like a welcome letter from the website and it's like these are the great things about your house and they one of the things is talking about it talks about how slytherin and gryffindor compete for similar students um you know and that uh merlin was a part of slytherin see i uh, i think i'm a hardliner there, are, there are seven novels anything that's not in those no- novels yeah, is not, not canon. all the slytherins are are evil you don't even mean no i i'm on your side here <laughs> yeah. i just don't like the idea that something that jk rowling made up and put on a website is canon. It's a whole world built by her <laughs> no, there's there's seven books they're canon so the greatest wizard was a member of slytherin what about the evilest wizard also a member of slytherin interesting here's here's my thing i actually don't i, I don't care much uh, one yeah. way or another but it's something that if you only watch the movies as I did, uh, you really start to get a sense of things. And certainly in that last movie, when uh, McGonagall says like, okay, round up all the Slytherin and put them in the dungeon or something like <laughs> yes, that. I remember great. thinking like, yeah, good call. Cause that's where the trouble starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I made a joke to my friend and they thought it was like over the line where it's just fr- from that point on <laughs> uh, Hogwarts is like, okay, let's get you up. Let's bring you up to the sorting hat. And it's like, okay, Slytherin, got it. Avada Kedavra. Okay, pro- <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. Uh, now we don't have any problems anymore. I think that's actually, you know, as somebody who's been sorted into Slytherin, I think that's one of J.K. Rowling's missed opportunities for nuance is that she doesn't show you any, you know, good ones or bad people from other houses, really. Um, and it's like, you know, she probably did that for the simplicity of story. It's easier to, sure, you know, just make it seem that all Slytherins are bad. But, you know. Harry Potter was about to be in Slytherin for two seconds there. Mm-hmm. And in, um, then the sorting hat remembered, Oh, right. You're yeah. not evil. And then in the, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> he let Harry make the decision. Um, oh, and then right. in the plays, the cursed child, one is that of, good? No, I have heard it. Is not. <laughs> it's not good in text. I can imagine that it's very, very cool to see on stage sure. to see how they do the wizard battles. But yeah, Harry's son, Albus Severus Dumbledore, uh, I believe it's that one gets sorted into Slytherin and be friends and I'm be friends is in quotes because the way that story was going, it should have ended a different way. Um, be friends, the son of, uh, Malfoy. Yes. Yeah. How about that? Well, look, look at all this conversation we got out of a panel that you guys didn't. Yeah. I I mean, I could talk about Harry Potter all the time. And then I saw, I went to Riverdale. We should do that by the way. We've not, Devoted would, an entire episode to Harry I Potter. I would love. And I would also suggest perhaps there are some commentaries to be done. Yeah, that would yeah. be a, a hell of a marathon. I yeah. can tell you which Harry Potter movies I will not sit through. <laughs> that will okay, be, tell me right now which ones. Yeah, I'm curious. The sixth film, so Half-Blood Prince. Oh, okay. you're, you're crazy. That's a good one. That ended so poorly, if you have read the books. Mm, the I haven't. Of that is I've read utter garbage. Um, right. 7.1. is great. That's my second. It's among the best. No, it's terrible because it has no, it's just a setup for the sequel. They were like, we need to get all of the sort of plotty stuff out of the way so we can just, you know, blow up Hogwarts. That's interesting because I actually see 7.1 as pure character and 7.2 is too much plot. 
Interesting. Yeah, I. Mm. That's yeah. You have a yeah, very different experience than, that. I, than um, I do. Because yeah, my two favorites are five and seven point one. Yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban is the best. Yeah, three, five, seven point one in that order, and it's close. Uh, uh, I think those no, are pretty yeah, amazing. No, no. Two. I like five because it's the shortest movie of the bunch based on the longest book in the series. Yeah. They, they cut a bunch of stuff out. I think that was a, yeah. a good move. Some of the problem with the first couple and with the fourth one, especially is trying to cram to, cause Goblet of Fire is a big long book yeah. and the Mike Newell's movie just feels like plot point and plot point and plot point. I remember point reading so much to get Goblet through. of Fire. I remember like reading the first three and then J.K. Rowling be like, oh yeah, this book is a thousand pages. I was like, how the fuck <laughs> am I going to read a thousand pages? <laughs> you know, because I was very young when, when, the, when the book series started to come out. And that one is my I, wife's I favorite book Goblet of the of series, Goblet of Chamber Fire. Chamber of Secrets, I think, was my favorite book. Okay. We should move on. Yes. But I, a nice preview of, uh, yeah. of an episode. And now that I've said it, absolutely, we got to do commentaries. Maybe not all eight movies in one day. <laughs> I think I would run out of my I run so do out we of do voice. it like in a weekend, like four movies one day, four movies the other day, and yes. sell them at ten bucks per grouping. Like, yes. So it's twenty bucks for the whole thing. Yeah, that'd yes. be cool. I but. agree. In fact, maybe let's do that next weekend. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so. I can't. Uh, next weekend. Well, this coming weekend. Oh, TCM Fest. TCM Fest next weekend. I got to hit up that Renaissance Pleasure Fair. It's that time of year. It's <laughs> wow. the Renaissance Pleasure Fair. <laughs> wow. Do you go? Mm. I want to know what a Renaissance Pleasure Fair is. It's just a Ren Fair, but that's just the, what the one here in Irwindale is called, the Renaissance Pleasure Fair. Um, have you ever been to a Ren Fair? I have not. It's so much fun. I'm, I'm, I'm just thrown by pleasure being in the title. Yeah, <laughs> I, was the the, I was like, what is it? It's something completely different. Now, that is just the name of the local one. Um, gotcha. That's okay. every, every April and May uh, in, in Irwindale, uh, out, you know, past the... Uh, Miller beer, <laughs> the Miller brewery. Sure. Um, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a blast. You, you should, you should totally go. I'd be curious to go someday. Yeah. yeah it's fine. You know what I'll you go. can do? You could dress up, you could wear your, uh, yeah, I might. Your, uh, it's not built yet, thing. but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there are, there is a lot of cosplay. Obviously most of it is period specific, yes. but you always, you'll also always get the people who dress up as, um, uh, Star Trek characters as if they've like landed in the, oh, you know, like, oh, kind of past uh, that's fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I might actually <laughs> do that. That's, that sounds like a great idea. That's okay. All right. Um, you've convinced me, okay. but also what you get to do is you get to like throw knives and spears and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, they got a petting zoo. They got a joust. You can watch a, a joust. Wow. That's fun. Like real joust on horses? Uh, it's a staged. It's like pro wrestling. It's like, yeah, they're really doing okay, it, but it's yeah. staged and scripted. How many um, people are carrying around giant turkey legs? I'm going to say everybody. Uh, I got that once, and I was like, this is like... Have you ever eaten one? one of those giant yeah, turkey at Disneyland. Legs? It's stupid. It's enormous. Only the outside where it's like the crispy, juicy skin is good. And then you've got like a half a pound of dry ass Turkey meat in your hand. (laughs) It's a, and it's like 12 bucks or whatever. It's like not worth it at all. Well, and I will, uh, I will crib a line from Futurama in which Fry eats something from uh, a piece of cooking from a bender. So the first time I ate one of those, I thought, man, that's the saltiest thing I've ever eaten. And I once ate a big heaping bowl of salt. Um, yeah, like it, it made me thirsty immediately. Okay. Yeah. We have gone, yes. we really hit a lot of nerd stuff. We did. I'm we in got, the mood. We, we got yeah. Fair, we got Disney, we got Star Trek and yeah. uh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, oh man, I, can't I go to also Renfair. caught the iZombie 
premiere. Okay. Um, season premiere. And this is season three. Season three. I was surprised to see that it was very, very dramatic. Um, probably in store for a darker season, um, given what happened at the end of the second season. And then right after that was the Riverdale panel, which was a show that had a terrible pilot. I saw the pilot at Comic Con and was like, how did this show even get greenlit? This pilot is awful. And it has sort of settled into being a messy teen drama that it probably, that it, always could have been uh-huh. um and the riverdale panel was really fun to see so this was because there were two riverdale yeah things. so they they brought this was the panel with the cast and the yeah. crew and they brought pretty much everybody yeah i was um, actually there for like the second half because i was yeah there for the the next thing um and so that was uh, it's always cool to see when they can bring the entire cast and crew um and they talked about twin peaks and they talked about you know the characters and that was Really fun. Does it like now? You're. I can already tell from you saying that you were young when Goblet of Fire came out because I was in college when Goblet of Fire came out. Mm-hmm. I can tell you're younger than I am. I don't know yes. by by how much, but six years. Uh, mm-hmm. You're 28 then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm at a point. I'm I'm at the Riverdale panel just waiting for the next thing, and I'm realizing like, oh, the people who were playing the parents, yes. Luke Perry and Midge Anemic, are like those are the people I know who they are. Yeah, and well, it's a bunch of young people I don't know. And one of the executive producers brought up the fact that like the reason why they cast those particular actors is to give the audience empathy to the parents because a lot of times when you're watching the because the parents on Riverdale are just as messy as the kids. And they're like a lot of times when you're watching shows, you know, you never really feel like your parents were teenagers once or that the parents on the shows oh, right. were teenagers once. So if you already have this connection with the younger selves of these actors, then like as they're being really messy, you realize that, oh, like they've also lived lives and they've yeah. done these different things. And I was like, that's a really interesting way to cast a show. Yeah. That's awesome. That reminds me of what the coming up, uh, the, the Hulu series runaways is casting mm-hmm. James Marsters, AKA spike yes. as one of the, one of the parents. Um, and that kind of has the same thing. It's like, yeah, we get to see him be a, you know, villain ish character <laughs> for seven years on, on Buffy. Yeah. Uh, now he's going to play a, a villain. Uh, I'm looking forward to runaways. Are you a runaways fan? Uh, um, I'm interested in the series. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so, do you know the story of Runaways, Tyler? No. It's a uh, takes place in the Marvel universe, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of kids whose parents are all friends and get together once a year, and so all these kids know each other through their parents. And the kids discover, like, oh wait, our parents are all supervillains, and this yearly like meeting is them like uh, you know putting together their plans or whatever. And so the kids decide to become like superheroes. That's to great. Rebel against their <laughs> supervillain parents. Yeah. Are their parents like notable supervillains or just sort of like? I don't think they're villains created for this thing. I think they're villains created for that's this my understanding. particular yeah. thing. But yeah. in maybe in the world of runaways, they're notable villains. Okay. That's so, fun. Yeah. That's a yeah. Fun idea. And that, yeah, that's coming out on, on Hulu. There's all sorts of like the, the Marvel shows. I mean, cause you think of like the Netflix ones, mm-hmm. right? But then you've also got like Legion on FX. Mm-hmm. You've got Runaways coming out on Hulu. Now you've got a Cloak and Dagger series on Freeform. Yeah. Which I'm uh, I don't very even know excited. what Freeform is. Freeform used, used to be ABC, ABC Family. ABC Family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shadow, I read, I read, Shadow is on Freeform. And I watched that. <laughs> I read Cloak and Dagger growing up. I remember uh, liking those characters quite a bit. I remember I had um, 
Now, remember that uh, there were. Uh, you might be a little too young for this, but uh, <laughs> I can't uh, wait. Oh, good. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Marvel trading cards. Do you remember the Marvel? Oh, absolutely. Cards? Okay, so those were you. They were generally. Like, the characters that have like mm-hmm. their powers and stuff on the back. And then there were like X-Men specific, there was an X-Men specific line. Yeah. But then there was also like thing, I think they did once that was just like, it was just all the like number one issue covers. Yes. Of trading cards. Do you remember that? Yep. And I had that, I think I had the complete set and, um, I didn't really read comics that much at that time, but I remember, being like, I gotta find out who Cloak and Dagger are, just based yeah. on the cover art of Cloak and Dagger number one yeah. from you know probably nineteen eighty whatever. Yeah. I was like, uh, from that run of it, whatever. Um, these were all like the recent number ones, not going back to the sixties or whatever. Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, I've always even before I knew who they were, yeah. I always liked Cloak and Dagger. It's a, it's a. They have a nice dynamic, and I, I always really liked the design of Cloak specifically, um, but. Uh, is that all? Was that all you were able to do on Friday? Yeah, that was my Friday. Okay, I walked the convention floor. Right, I did a little bit of that. I spent I, so much money. This, <laughs> I spent so much money. I didn't spend that much money. I did buy. I didn't buy anything too like nerdy, but I did buy the um, the John Wick score on vinyl because it was the record store day. Um, That's not gun nerdy. Gunmetal gray vinyl. Oh it's yeah, not too nerdy. That is extremely nerdy <laughs> i don't know I, I yeah i guess i mean um, i bought a gigantic superman for tomorrow toy so <laughs> but I, I yeah what I, I didn't buy the because i couldn't actually find i do this i make this mistake at every con where i come up with some sort of idea of like i'll bet there's a this mm-hmm. and then i walk the floor walk over the floor and i can't find it but i really wanted um to see if anyone was making because there, there's always like travel coffee mugs with different logos on it i told you about this Tyler, mm-hmm. and i was like i'll bet there's a nightwing one i want a nightwing <laughs> travel coffee mug couldn't find it no. they're all like i could buy the one online for 14 bucks or whatever but that's yeah. not the same it no, really isn't the same <laughs> uh yeah i'm uh i am on a budget so uh i was not able to i didn't really walk the floor because i i wasn't looking yeah. uh but usually i'm Good. looking for whatever riddler figures yes. might be new but yes i absolutely know what you mean these riddler figures i could buy for easily five to ten dollars less online right you're not getting the thrill of the hunt Ex- the thrill of the hunt amen and then like you got your, you got it in your hands and it's yeah. very mm-hmm. exciting but yeah i got a late start on friday because a the parking situation for wonder right. was fucked and Oof. i'm guessing it'll be better next year because that that extension they're building I includes so. more parking from what i understand it's That's not what just ruined my saturday was parking yeah. And the Hilton was like, you can't park here unless you're a guest. Right. Yeah. And then that our really hotel wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't let us park until we could check in and check in wasn't until four on yeah. Friday. So, uh, uh, I had to go find a place to park. And also I had my dog with me this time, yeah. which meant since I couldn't check in until four, I couldn't go into the convention center until after four when I could get the dog set up in the hotel room, you know, a uh, dog friendly hotel. I didn't sneak my dog into the hotel room. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we paid extra for the privilege anyway. Um, so I did get a late start. So I walked the floor a little bit and then I hustled over to the arena where I caught the second half of that Riverdale panel. And then I was there to see the new, uh, it's become a WonderCon tradition at this point, the, uh, premiere of whatever the newest, uh, DC animated, um, right. mm-hmm. film is, which at this point they're 10 years, been going on 10 years, uh, these films and there's 29 of them. Wow. And there's like, eight or nine more in the works right now. Wow. Um, well, by all accounts, 
DC animated is where they are actually doing well. Uh, the live, the live action films aren't yes. so great. Well, and uh, in my limited experience of these, which is mostly just the ones I see at WonderCon, um, the ones that involve the teen Titans, which this one was, this was teen Titans, the Judas contract, um, are the ones that are on point. There's some, they're, they're just getting that sort of sense of, of, of fun. And maybe it's the fact that they're all, you know, they're, the, these DC animated films exist somewhere between being kids films and being films for right. an older audience. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all PG 13 and they have, they're a little bit more violent than what you'd see on the, you know, the TV, the DC TV series. Uh, and they include, you know, uh, a handful of, of cuss words, which still like, because the animation style is still not that dissimilar from what you'd see on a Saturday morning right. or what, I don't know if they're on Saturday morning anymore. I'm, you know, I'm old. Um, whenever, whenever the, those cartoons are on, the animation style is, is, is pretty similar. So when, uh, when Deadshot is like, bring it, asshole, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that. It's sort of like um, today. I was, uh, I, I called into, I was, I was a, a call in guest on a, on a radio show, a Christian radio show, and uh, we were talking about movies. Of course, I was plugging the uh, the book and all that. Um, and uh, I was not expecting the host because we were talking about, you know, certain Christian attitudes towards film. And he said, you know, he's like, and he has, a, I think he's from New Jersey. So he's got kind of an accent. He's like, he goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to watch what I want to watch. You know, uh, if you don't like it, you can kiss my ass. And I was like, I was not expecting that <laughs> on this Christian show. I, it was kind of awesome, but I, it, yeah. it, it, it jarred me. Uh, but this is, um, uh, people who know D- DC better than I do know that the Judas contract is a, a, a big story. Um, but I don't know from, I don't know that the, this animated movie told the part of it that is <laughs> cited when people cite the, Oh, the Judas contract story. That's where Robin becomes Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, oh, the Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing, but that's not like that there's just like a big, like five year time jump in this movie. Like there's a, there's a, a, like a sort of a prologue scene where you've got Robin leading the team Titans and then it jumps five years and Dick has become Nightwing and is not part of the team Titans anymore. And, uh, Damian Wayne is the new Robin. Right. Um, and those five years are the movie. (laughs) That's what the movie should have been. Right. But it still has a a good story about this guy, you know, brother blood trying to, he's hired. This is what the contract is. He's hired Deadshot to, um, capture all the teen Titans because he's built this machine that he's going to drain all of their powers and put them, put all of their powers into himself to make himself essentially a a godlike, Hmm. I guess. So that's, so, um, he's the, so it's one of those stories where like, brother blood is the big bad, but like for most of the movie, the bad guy they're actually fighting is dead shot. Um, and it, was, it was fun and cool. And, uh, it had a, a good, uh, a good voice cast. Um, the late Miguel Ferrer voices dead shot. Yeah. Um, Greg Henry voices, uh, brother blood. Uh, Tysa Formiga is, um, uh, Tara, uh, one of the teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the most of them are returning cast. Like I forget, the name of the kid who does Damian Wayne, who I forget, um, is is really good. I saw him, um, I guess, two years ago was the... Um, was it Son of Batman that you and I watched? Yeah. And then last year also was Justice League versus Teen Titans. So I guess I've seen him now in three, but he's done yeah. more. He's done four of them, I think. Uh, I can't remember his name. Something Austin. Uh, yeah, they're... 
they're they're solid they're a lot of fun they have great action scenes which is really what's mm-hmm. what you're what you're going for uh in, in a lot of these um so yeah i would give uh uh thumbs up netflix style i don't know if you heard about that <laughs> i did yes that you heard about didn't hear about pepsi but you heard about <laughs> netflix changing well because i clicked so. on netflix and said what do you think of this new thing we've got and i <laughs> thought down. And i thought i don't have the energy for this so i just closed <laughs> it i didn't even rate it um i did uh, have a question though about teen titans and maybe uh, either, uh, either of you can answer this because i i don't know is the name of the team officially Teen Titans, or is that simply how we know them? No, that's how that's they refer the to themselves. Yeah. Now, and they live in a building that's a big T. Okay. <laughs> if I were on that team, I would say, "Hey, everybody, uh, we probably want we want villains to fear us. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's play down." the teen thing. See, I think that doesn't sound very scary. Do you think young justice? That sounds a little better. Okay. I think. Cause that's also, a cause that's also a DC animated TV yeah. show. Young justice is a little like the word teen. You know what? Here's the thing. I grew up in the church and so it's like, Oh, teens. Like yes. it was like, there's a very specific, like the, Oh, our teen ministry. I'm like, bull. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was a teen, I didn't like that. Yeah. I, I, there so, was a, uh, I can't remember what, website this was but they like this is very recent like this week they polled teens mm-hmm. about different like brands to see what is what brands do teens think are cool <laughs> wow that couldn't have sounded less yeah and it was all like can you believe teens like yahoo more than vice but then i was thinking like like i think the takeaway you're we, we as, as old people are supposed to say like oh i guess vice isn't cool but then i think back and i'm like i remember being a teenager most teenagers aren't cool yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. So if they just pulled yeah. teenagers, what the fuck do they know? Yeah, just because you're... Very key, few people are cool. Just because you're the key demo doesn't mean you sure. should be setting <laughs> policy. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so Friday, was that all you did, the Teen Titans thing? That was on the panel, man, and, well, you know, don't give me credit for half the Riverdale panel, right? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Um, yeah, and then we went to dinner with our friend Dan. That's right. Yes. Yes. And, uh, cause I had a story there. Everybody in the restaurant made fun of me, well, which was deservedly. a lot of fun. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not a human being deserving of dignity. So, uh, Look, if you go to, <laughs> this is like, I say the same thing. Well, I, I like uh, my wife and I, my wife, my lovely wife, Natalie and I like to go to tiki bars, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Tonga hut here in, in, or not here in North Hollywood. We're not in North Hollywood. We live in North Hollywood. The Tonga hut's a favorite. There's all sorts of tiki bars. We like yeah. tiki bars. And I always feel like the person who orders like a beer, like let me get a Heineken at sure. a tiki bar. It's like, what are you even doing here? Like, yeah. just go home. We're trying to have fun here. Sure. So. <laughs> and that was you. Uh, this is what, uh, uh, this is the, this is the basis of why you got laughed at by two servers. Yes. Um, we went to a Mexican restaurant and you ordered chicken nuggets. They say chicken tenders. They said they did say chicken tenders. They in the were, menu. they were know, in fact, frozen nuggets, heated yes. up. Uh, they were actually nuggets. way better than they, than I expected them to be. But here's the thing. I don't care for Mexican food. And so, uh, I like could, Jed Bartlett. what was that? Like Jed Bartlett. Is that a thing? There's a joke once. It's like a joke that works on two levels within the show. He makes mm-hmm. a joke about, uh, some character thinking he's a xenophobe because he doesn't like Mexican food, ah. which is funny on its own. Sure. But it's also especially funny because it's Martin Sheen. Yeah, that uh, is funny. Yeah. Who is, of you know, he's Mexican. So, so. Uh, yeah, uh, the thing is this. Um, I could either say, when I heard that we were all going out for Mexican, I just thought, all right, well, I've got the choice of not going 
or going and seeing what they have and maybe even not eating, you know, uh, such as the nature when you are a super taster that does not care for Mexican food. Um, and I opted for this, for the sake of, uh, fellowship, uh-huh. I decided to go. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. And here's the thing. So you ordered off the kid's menu, <laughs> but you know what they had for appetizers. They had a basket of fries. Yeah. yeah and ultimately this, this thing I got was essentially, here's a basket of fries and a little bit of like chicken Four chicken. Nuggets. Yeah. yeah. So if I had ordered just a basket of fries, somehow I'm not some, I'm not the monster. Everyone has made me. No one is saying you're a monster. People just, you know, I still yeah. would have called you a monster. What no. are you fries at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant? <laughs> what was that even on? I'm more concerned about like why that was even on the menu. Good question. It, but <laughs> it on, was, wasn't it? Yeah. It's interesting. Again, the chicken tenders are, were on the kids menu. And you know, the first that? server was very nice because I think you, I said both servers laughed at you, but really only the second one did. Because the first one who took the order, uh, I think, was nice to you because she felt bad for you. Because you sort of, like, prefaced it with, like... Yeah, uh, I'm used to doing this. But then when the runner brought the food, and he was like, "Uh, who has the chicken tenders? And he he was like, really? And just started laughing. (laughs) And here's the thing. The the thing is this. Who's... uh, that's like the opening scene of a movie where I kill everyone. <laughs> All right. Because it's just like you really? Yes. Blam. And, yeah. uh, and it's, and in but, that moment, it's well, very frustrating. Uh, I know I've got the f- food this, issues and that, I'm fine yeah. with friends making fun of me. That makes me neighbor. not want to tell you what, uh, what Natalie said. Cause I, <laughs> I told her like, yeah, that I was like texting, you know, we were catching up on how was your day. And I yeah. texted her that the, uh, the server laughed at, at, at Tyler when he <laughs> brought the, the chicken nuggets and Natalie said without me having said the, uh, the she said what uh, did he have to order off the little amigos menu <laughs> <laughs> alright that's pretty funny um, and you know what here's what I'm not hearing I'm not hearing that I gave up two hours of panels to see so I could hang out with you and your dog outside because that's, I wanted to be a nice person and not leave you mm, alone. That's true. Wait, it wasn't two. Oh, it was two it was, hours. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Yes, yeah. you did hang out with friend. me. A you, great friend. You, I agree with you, Terrence. Thank you. You watched Jack while I went in to pick up my badge. That's right. You went and got Jack water because we couldn't. We were we were locked out of the hotel so long that I ran out of water in my bottle. Yeah. And it was hot outside and Jack, Jack is near my dog. Um was clearly thirsty yeah. and I was out of water and I, and there were just food trucks that only have water bottles and didn't have anything for him to drink out of. And you went in and you got us a, a plastic cup and a bottle of water yeah. for, for Jack. Sounds like a real stand up guy. I think. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't make it not funny that you ordered chicken nuggets. <laughs> no, but I shouldn't be the only one defending myself. How about that? But I guess the, the, the fallacy here is the idea that you have to defend anything. Like it's just, it's just funny. You know, I'll keep that in mind for the future. Whenever you do something I find ridiculous, which is most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Have I ever like gotten defensive about no. you? La- yeah. I, There's something about it just makes thing. you do more ridiculous. If stuff. it were, if it were just you, me and Dan and not Dan strangers, uh, friends, very, Aaron and Gabe, very nice people. They're very nice. Um, if it weren't for them, I think I wouldn't have had that much of a problem with it. But uh, as it yeah, is, like, was, there are two strangers yeah. there and I'm trying to make a good impression. Oh, and then Dan decides to bring up politics. Yeah. And guess where I, where I stand. Uh, right, politically. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, yeah, that was the part that I, so it's just like, hi, I'm the conservative that orders from the kids menu. <laughs> please, <laughs> please like me, <laughs> you know, 
it's not it doesn't start yeah. me off on the right foot yeah, with strangers no. yeah that does yeah that's a great seems, story though <laughs> <laughs> i don't care how charming i was trying to be yeah. you can't walk back from that stuff and dan uh uh our friend dan kvazdan bought me uh uh, a, a trade paperback, uh, a Spider-Man trade paperback, because I mentioned on the movie journal I've been reading the all new Ultimates trade, and I text like I and, and I was texting with Dan about like oh, I'm reading all new Ultimates. You know, I have a question about uh, Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, or whatever. Um, and then he was like. It was like, oh, here's the answer to that question. And then he was like, the book's terrible, by the way. And so I look on the cover, and there's a pull quote from SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, Dan's, Dan's yeah. site. So I texted, I took the picture and texted it to him, and he was like, oh, my God. He's like, that guy doesn't write for us anymore. I feel terrible. And he was like, I'm gonna, when I see you at WonderCon, I'm going to buy you a comic book uh, to, make up, to make up for it. So that's why I got a, a Spider-Man comic book at a Mexican restaurant. And someday we should have uh, Dan on to talk about his weird reality show experience experiences because oh, that's that a whole thing in and of itself fun. uh all right so that, that's friday and right yes well for you for you for, yeah. for me for you and for terrence yeah all right so that's, um sorry the listener couldn't see me gesturing toward you indeed uh yeah no my friday consisted of being humiliated in front of two strangers <laughs> saturday what did that look like for everyone now um the big thing that happened for me on friday and it was a big deal i was on i was on a panel it was my first time. It was very uh-huh. exciting. It was the spiritual themes and comics panel. Uh, in many ways, it was only a matter of time before I was on one of these panels because I've taken the last few years to get to know everybody on that panel because it's the same people over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, and it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Here's the thing. Hmm. Uh, I am a different, as much as I love Comic-Con and WonderCon, and as much as I like the Riddler and various other nerdy things, I am the wrong, in some ways, I am the wrong kind of nerd for that panel. You know, I can't be, I can't be making uh, Chinatown references up there. I got to stick to comic books. I got to stick to, to Lord of the Rings movies and stuff like that. And so I had to, it took me a while to find my footing. Um, and then, uh, I, I threw out a thing where I, uh, decried people's obsession with spoilers only to find that I was alone in the room, uh, on that one. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> supported me on that. Um, cause I felt, I, I wow. said like, you know, it keeps us from being able to talk about things more in depth. Um, so, uh, but I think it was still a really good conversation. And here was the thing that I found, you know, how you and I dislike David, you and I dislike, uh, Q and A's like mm-hmm. they, they could always, they could go bad yes. when you're on the panel. You can't leave. <laughs> I usually, I usually leave during Q and A uh, and so I'm standing there. How funny would it have been if you just like put it in your head? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and here's what happened. There was one moment, it, the audience was very receptive and, and some people came up to me afterwards and said very nice things. And, and it was great. I liked it a lot, but there were a couple moments when like, you know, we're 30 minutes in to a one hour panel and somebody makes a point and then someone in the audience like raises their hand and I was furious. I was so furious because I thought like, no, no, that's not how this works. Uh-huh. You don't get to raise your hand 30 minutes in. We are easily 25 minutes away from being done. And then there's a Q and a section. I don't care how important you think this question is. Like it just, yeah, I feel like that person maybe is new to the, comic-con and maybe anaheim comic-con experience and i've done panels admittedly panels in very small rooms but i've done panels not 
not Comic-Con or WonderCon, but mm-hmm. in Alpha OmegaCon, like I moderated and, and programmed a panel and then like someone just sort of like in the audience sort of like interrupted. And again, small room, yeah. uh-huh. a little bit bigger than this office. So very intimate, but at the same time, and I, I, I like how approachable I apparently come across as, yeah. uh, but I'm not, uh, I am not that. And so I, in that situation, I was very, I was indulgent of this person. And I said, well, we do need to move on. Um, because <laughs> you know, it's, it's rough. No, yeah. thank you. That is an experience I did not care for. Yeah. But Don Rickles would have laid ra- laid waste to that person. I know, but Alpha MegaCon is like a Christian convention, so I, I can't be an asshole about it. Alpha MegaCon was. Yeah. It is. It's it's actually something I, I like quite a bit because unlike the Christian film festivals that I go to, where it's a celebration of Christian film, which I don't like, um, <laughs> Alpha <laughs> MegaCon that is Christians that enjoy comics ah, of all kinds and pop culture of all kinds. Interesting. It's you know, I did two panels. I did one about. Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight films, mm-hmm. and then another one called Rethinking Horror, and it was a lot of very enthusiastic people that yeah. love horror, and so yeah. that's I like that a lot uh, more. And uh, I believe it's uh, the fourth year coming up. Okay, so that was the big thing I did on Friday. Then you hung out with me and Jack for two hours. Indeed, um, I was you know I I, I checked a good friend off the list and uh, went on to the. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so I went to a panel called everyone's a critic, which I wasn't able to stay very long for. Uh, and then I ducked into, I've said it before. I will say it again. I am an idiot. I don't know why I keep going to these fucking year things. You know what I'm talking I know, about? Yeah. This is the geek magazine. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, they look 30 years back right, so at the movie year. So 87, is what yeah. Good well, movie year. What were they talking about? You got empire play- of the sun. Uh, I, maybe I don't, I, I was a little bit late for that one, but, uh, they're talking about predator. They're talking about RoboCop. They talked about jaws of the revenge, uh, and a few other things. It is to me astounding because I've gone to these in years past and I don't know why I do because (laughs) they're never very good. Mm -hmm. And, but what really gets me is that the guy who moderates, he, he seems like a nice enough guy, but what's fascinating is that he has never gotten better. You'd think after years, cause they do it at WonderCon and Comic-Con, yeah. you'd think that this guy who moderates it all the time, yeah. you'd think he would get better even a little bit. No, if anything, he might've gotten worse and it is, we should have him on the show. I, yes, I will listen. I cannot wait for that episode. I don't think I could uh, deal with that. If he is, if he's this way conversation, there are people on the panel that did very well, Yeah, but, and you could just tell that there was part of them that just want to like break out and have a real discussion, but that's right. not the nature of this panel. It's never the, na- the nature of this panel. Why do I keep going? Did they talk about Moonstruck? Of course not. Why would they ever talk about a real movie? I, you know what? Ba- <laughs> real based on... Um, yeah, the three movies that you listed, I was like, only one of those is actually good. <laughs> okay, here's... I'm, I'm oh, hang on one up. second. I mentioned Predator, uh-huh. RoboCop, and Jaws the Revenge. Predator is the one that's good. RoboCop is better than Predator. I would say... Ro- I love Predator, but I would say RoboCop is better uh, than Predator. I'm not a fan of the last two. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Wait, the last two RoboCop movies? Yeah. RoboCop There's also, I'm looking at a list here. You got The Princess Bride? Yeah, they, that was brought up quite a bit. Uh, yes. Full Metal Jacket? FMJ? Someone started to bring that up, yes. The Untouchables? Doesn't hold up. Not a good movie. I Not don't think so about. either. Oof. Uh, 
The Lost Boys. They did not mention that, which surprises me. Yeah, actually, that's uh, Raising Arizona. Didn't mention that. Obviously, Fatal Attraction. Obviously, Wall Street. I think they did reference Wall Street. They okay. mentioned Greed is Good. Evil Dead Two. Uh, Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> I don't think they did. Dirty that Dancing. Uh, no. All right. Moonstruck is the best film that you listed. <laughs> Moonstruck is fucking great. I'll I say love this. it. It's, it's so good. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I saw The Last Emperor for the first time recently. Mm-hmm. That movie is great. It, I, oh, yeah, I do a, love yeah. it. That's and okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, at Comic David, you and I are going to Comic Con. Uh-huh. There's going to be something. Well, I in- think I am. I haven't actually gotten my application due as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been like they said. You know, give it four to six weeks before you email mm-hmm. this. Like at the six week mark, exactly. I was like, yeah. "Hey, just check it up on this." Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard back. Yeah, it took me yet. <laughs> last year. It took oh. me a long time. Uh, it took them a long time to get back to me, like months, months and months. Um, yeah, I feel like I, like I, I'm so paranoid about it, and not just Comic Con, but like also like LA Film Fest or Sundance sure. or anything that I have to apply for fe- for for credentials for. Pretty much the day that press application like opens yeah i'm submitting and sending my materials and i always feel like shouldn't that get me something shouldn't i get yeah, they an answer faster? uh yeah so uh i'm i have no reason to believe comic-con won't approve me again right. like yeah, for no the, you know it'll be the you know, my ninth year in a row as press or something yeah but i'm just paranoid because they haven't gotten back to me well david if if you if they decide that you are worthy then there's going to be something just keep it in the back of your mind. Hey, Tyler's going to want to try and do this 87 thing again and see if they okay. got any better. And just, even if I don't mention it, just say, Hey, just a heads up. Don't go to that 87 you know, thing. Okay. It's going to be a big waste of your time and it's going to make you mad. You don't mean me, need me to smack you across the face and say, snap out of it. I insist. Uh, speaking of moonstruck, yeah. snap out of it. One of those great lines. I've actually uh, never seen moonstruck. You should definitely see moonstruck. I know. I've, it's, I've it, heard it's marvelous. Share yeah. yeah, Cher's best actress win. That's one of my favorite best actress best actress winning performances of all time. What's the last thing she acted in? Burlesque. Burlesque, yeah. That was a while ago. Huh. She is brilliant in Winstruck. She really is. Yeah. Um yeah, and Nicolas Cage is doing a thing where it's like it, it, it works. It, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so weird, it's but like, it works. It feels like it's only been like in like the 2000s that we started to realize like, oh, Nicolas Cage is nuts. But yeah. like you look at him in Moonstruck with his fake wooden hand and he's like, <laughs> Johnny's got a girl. Johnny's got a hand. Um, well, it's such a crazy performance. Yeah, it's so and good. Peggy Sue got married. He's doing some odd oh, things that's as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I will <laughs> say, I having not <laughs> seen... Moonstruck. I will say that Holly Hunter was nominated that year for Broadcast News, and she's pretty great. Yeah, so it was quite close to Fatal Attraction. But you're still going with Cher for Moonstruck. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. So Saturday. that is it for me Saturday. Okay. Let's move on. Not Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. Moving on to Saturday. Moving on to Saturday. Terrence, what did you do on Saturday? So Saturday was where my life started to fall apart when it came to Undercut <laughs> because I was running late because I had to get a black t-shirt because I needed to cosplay as Finn and Finn from Star Wars is wearing a black t-shirt and I was like too hot to wear a long sleeve shirt so I need a short sleeve shirt so I went and bought one but then I was like I had such good luck parking in the convention parking lot the day before surely it won't be so awful on Saturday and it took me 45 minutes Mm. to park to just get into that parking lot area from like Harbor Boulevard and what is it? Catella or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I missed the midnight Texas panel. 
which bummed me out. Um, I got to go. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear about it. Uh, I got to go to the scoring for sci-fi panel. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, Chandler Poling runs that panel every so often. He does music panels, and I we're good friends. And so uh, I really enjoyed hearing the composers. I like I like WonderCon because it can get very sort of technical and crafty, and I love being able to go to those panels and see how these these people, you know. And for this, it was like what is it like to make music for a world you haven't seen? Yeah. Um, and just fascinating to hear about the processes. And one of the guys up there did the Lego star Wars movie or show. I don't know if it's a movie or if it's a show, but you know, he talked about working with John Williams themes and how Mm. he would go back and research what John Williams original inspirations were for those themes and try and see if he could build new themes off of them. And that, you know, how to make that work in the score, uh, it was also funny to hear the composer for the 100. Um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the Klexa, the whole thing that went down with that. Um, but Klexa was the popular female relationship that was on the show between Clark and Lexa. They killed off Lexa. Fans were not happy with how it went down. Um, and they had a theme, and he continually brings the theme back up in the show. So he said originally when it first popped up that fans were mad, um, but that he uses the theme as an artist to reference that character thinking about, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Clark thinking about stuff, lessons that Lexa taught her or their relationship. And I was like, that's really interesting. And a very good way of like sidestepping around what would have been a really, really, you know, sort of messy uh, yeah. thing. Um, so that was fun. And then I did the Voltron press room, Voltron Legendary Defender. Um, another animated show on Netflix that everybody should be watching. Um, and that's fun. I always love our, our friend Kyle moderated the Voltron panel ah. Kyle from Nerdist. Um, and he was saying he was very, um, surprised at the demographic makeup of the Voltron fans, meaning like it was almost yeah. all girls. Yes. Hmm. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shipping with Voltron. Huh. I totally get it. <laughs> having having watched the show, like the first episode in, I was already like, oh, I, I see. I see what, you know, everybody is, is sort of going for. But yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun show. I love it because of how they use like the animation to bring out the comedy. It's a drama, you know, it's basically Power Rangers in space is what I, I refer to it as. These five paladins, five, find five lines that come together to form Voltron's greatest defender in the universe. Um, but it's like the com- the physical comedy that they're able to do with their animation of like characters faces when new information is revealed is just so brilliant and hilarious. And so seeing those voice actors, you know, talk about their experiences working on the show was really cool. Um, and they all, it's, it's also interesting to see how the animators took bits and pieces from the voice actors and put them into the character design. So like the guy who plays Lance, has a very similar face shape to the character on the show. Mm. Um, and Josh Keaton voices Shiro on that show. He also voiced young Hercules um, in the Hercules animated film. I wish I would have known that. I didn't realize that until I had gotten out of the room and I was like, damn it. I should have asked him a question about, you know, <laughs> the course of his career rather than just about his character on this show. Um, but I was so exhausted after that. And after the parking situation that I was just like, I'm just going to go home <laughs> and rest. <laughs> so I, I, um, cause it was, it was hitting sort of right up against the, the Warner brothers mm-hmm. panel. And I, which I definitely want to hear about cause I 
that they, sh- they showed Wonder Woman footage, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A couple things. Well, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that. Please let me know. So, you, uh, so as a, as a Riverdale fan, you missed the, the episode. The episode. Yeah, I knew I was going to w- watch it. Right. So I was, you know, it wasn't with the eye zombie thing. It was like, Oh, this is the pilot. I could potentially review it. I didn't, but uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I was, been where can people find your Voltron coverage? Where uh, did you? At Lenoir2.net. Lenoir2.net. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and you uh, know, you could just YouTube, you know, I put the, I videotaped them. Oh, okay. Not video, videotape. My God. Uh, I recorded them on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew what yeah, you meant. Yeah. Um, so that was it for you then? That was it for me on Saturday. Wow. Um, I walked to the floor and, and I I was searching for the cheapest, biggest Superman toy that I could find. <laughs> so I was going to, like, I literally walked the entire floor and was like, okay. So this person is offering like the Comic-Con Batman versus Superman, Superman for X amount of dollars. And then I got to this one booth and I saw this, you know, really cool, big um, Superman for tomorrow thing. And I was like, I'm going to buy that even though it was way, I thought I was on a budget. Um, (laughs) But apparently I was not. And I also had to pay rent on that Saturday. So it was like, I can't even, don't even want to look at my bank account after, after this day. And so, yeah, I got that. I got a couple of prints from Lord Mesa. Um, so that was sort of the big walk the floor day. Um, so what I did on Saturday is something that I've been meaning to do at a WonderCon or Comic-Con in the past, because they do this every year at Comic-Con. They show the whatever annual animation show of shows, which is a collection of about, you know, a little over 90 minutes of uh, recent animated shorts. And this is a, uh, it plays at these conventions, but it also, this is something that you can go to, I think it's called like animation show of shows.com or whatever. It's something that also tours the country playing theaters. Um, uh, and it's just, here's, you know, it's sort of a, an overview of like the last year of uh, great animated shorts. And it um, includes stuff you've probably heard of and seen like Piper, the Pixar uh, one from, mm-hmm. was that from finding Dory? Right. Was yes. that, um, and then uh, inner workings, which I think preceded Moana but I didn't see, I saw like a screening of Moana, so I didn't see the... Oh, is that the one where it was like the his heart wanted him to go yeah. to the beach and the head wanted him go, to go to work? Yeah. Okay. Spoiler, I fucking hated it. It was my least favorite of the, of, the whole, of the whole thing. Yeah, it was very... I was like, oh, Inside Out, just... I just <laughs> but like saw this. But like really <laughs> basic. Yeah. Like, I guess I, I hate that sort of... I feel like that's such a juvenile idea that like... um that the the idea of like uh, oh your brain wants your brain is like you know serious and dour Mm -hmm. and wants you to be boring and then your heart wants you to have fun and be a kid and it's like it seems like uh, this this sort of black and white this dichotomy that is uh, juvenile to me and also I hate this is a personal pet peeve of mine (laughs) people who don't work in offices seem to think that everyone who works in an office is miserable all day long that it's Kafka-esque from nine to nine to six no. or whatever with a half hour break where you eat out of your sad, uh, lunch. <laughs> like no. I could tell you, it's, I like my office. I like going to work every day. I yeah. like the people I work with. I enjoy working in an office. Um, and a lot of people do, and it's a, the norm for a lot of people. And so I think that like premise to me, uh, gotcha. always seems so uninspired. It's very lazy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that was why inner work, but let's not focus on inner workings because most of them, uh, there were, 16 of them, I think 
uh, animated shorts. They're really good. And it's like I said, it's everything from the big studios that you've heard of to like a Russian student film um, uh, called About a Mother, which is really, really, really good. Um, uh, and it's all different sorts of, of, of animation from, you know, the stop motion and claymation to hand-drawn stuff um, and, and obviously computer animation. Um, the first one, which is called Stems, uh, is um, is, an, is is so great. It's these. Uh, it's I guess sort of meta because you've. It's a stop motion thing that includes the building of the characters. You know, you're seeing mm. like you see at the end of uh, Box Trolls. You know, right, yeah. So it's like the building of the characters while the animator, who's a, um, I want to say he's an Irish guy. I could be wrong. Maybe he's Scottish. Um, uh, or maybe just Northern England. Oh, I'm sorry, all those accents kind of blend together to me. Um, uh, anyway, him talking about the sort of tragedy of these stop motion characters that he makes because he makes them, they're in- intricate, but they only serve the purpose of being in the one film. And then once they're done, they're just, they stop moving and they're frozen in time. Hmm. And so that becomes literalized where you've got these stop motion characters that he's built out of detritus and leaves and stuff. Uh, become a band and start playing this song, but then one by one they start like slowing and freezing, Ooh, um, oh. and then like like at one point one of them even like realizes that the guy next to him is freezing and tries to reach out to stop him, but then freezes himself, and then so it ends with Ooh. them all like oh. locked in time. <laughs> it, was, it was heartbreaking, but it's beautiful. Um, it's very sad. Yeah, uh, that was like <laughs> my heart. Is. Yeah, and then uh, another one of my high- the highlights is I think it was Finnish. It was called. Uh, Boygen, and it was a complete abstract, non-narrative, just music and shapes. Uh, um, that was that was very cool. Um, but then there's also some, you know, some fun, lighthearted stuff. Um, there's also the uh, uh, Pearl, which I think was nominated for as Oscar. That uh, sounds familiar. Oscar, yeah. for one of the shorts, which is really good. It's basically a, uh, it's the story of. A girl, a dialogue-free story of a girl's entire life told from the point of view of her car, like her dad's car, which becomes her car when she turns sixteen. Mm. Like the entire thing takes place in or immediately around this car. Um, it's really cool. Uh, and then, like, like I said, there's say sixteen of them. After a dozen films, lights come up, and the guy who hosts it comes out, and he's like, "Okay, at this point, uh, it might be good for anyone who has kids." if you want to take this opportunity to take them out, the last four have, uh, mature themes and it's questionable how much, I mean, let me know. That's not true. A couple of them. Absolutely. Uh, but then there was one that was like, well, I guess there was like a penis in that one, but I don't know that that's mm. necessarily, or there was like a surgery that I guess is kind of, yeah. you see like a doctor, like reaching into a stomach, you know, I guess that could be upsetting, but it wasn't like photorealistic, but speaking of photorealistic, one of them was another one that was free of narrative. It was just like documenting this sort of like, uh, like a Rube Goldberg machine. Like if, uh, it, like if, if okay, go were like, an, an, like an industrial <laughs> satanic metal band, hmm. it would be what this was like this Rube Goldberg machine that is piece by piece, like animating, no pun intended. Um, these again, photorealistic, dismembered parts of a corpse so like a ball falls and rings a bell and a thing happens and then all of a sudden these like lungs start bre- like breathing uh-huh. and like uh uh the last bit is that a, a a hand um falls onto the like piano keys and then like so there's a big like piano crash and then mm-hmm. it's over um and there was another clay ma- uh, stop motion one no claymation one that it would absolutely not 
be okay for kids. There was about a guy who goes to a, to tap into his inner self. He's a reserved guy. So he goes to a primal therapy session, which is just people running around screaming. Uh, and it seems like it's not working on him, but then he goes to the bathroom and he loses his mind. And then the thing takes place over the course of a night where he rampages through the city as an insane person causing all kinds of havoc. And it gets very, very dark. Uh, yeah. All right. That was called man. Oh man. Did I say that? Anyway, um, and then, uh, yeah, Tyler, do you want to talk about the Warner Brothers panel? Or, or do you want to... Yeah, let's Midnight talk about the Warner Texas. Brothers. Well, let's talk about the Warner Brothers okay. panel. Let's get through sure. my stuff, and then we'll double back to the stuff okay. that didn't hit of yours. So we both... Uh, well, I saw... I did see the second half of the Riverdale episode, mm-hmm. um, which I guess has aired by now, right? Or no? Yes. Okay. Um, did you? Were you there in time for the Riverdale? Just at the... I caught the very end of it. No, I haven't watched any of it before. What it reminded me of, and I have, I've also watched almost no TV in the past two years. I've kind of like stopped watching TV for the most part, but it kind of, and I don't know if this is, if this is right, but this episode seemed like it was heavy on the sleuthing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's like a mole, uh, like someone's yeah. embedded or whatever. As a, as a murder mystery. Yes. But, been, uh, but you've seen the, you've seen the episode now or you have, I have not seen okay. the one. Then I won't talk about uh, any specifics, you could spoil but what it okay. kind of, <laughs> but what I'm saying, the feel reminded me of like a small town version of that show revenge from a few years ago oh yeah i loved that show (laughs) i liked it when i never i didn't watch it regularly but i liked it when i watched it it because yeah because it's like uh it's it's just like it's it is you know a nighttime soap or whatever but it's very arch in the way that uh, Mm -hmm. revenge is about this overarching revenge plot and riverdale seemed like again it's a small town soap like you've seen before it's like you know Everwood or whatever, but there's a you know a murder a dark murder. Yeah, mystery. they they pitched it as Archie meets Twin Peaks. Yeah, I don't know. Is there supernatural stuff like in Twin Peaks? Who who knows? Who knows? Okay, who knows? we'll be talking about Twin Peaks in a moment. Um, wait, will we? Yes, when oh, we talk when about talk, okay. Yeah. Uh, but then yes, then the thing I was actually there for, and Tyler, you were there um, for the Warner Brothers panel, which. Mm-hmm. Sorry, as most of the Warner Brothers panels at WonderCon do started off with horror. Yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, last year, I think it was just, they just did a horror. It was all horror. Yeah. Horror, yeah. Um, and so this was, uh, Annabelle two, the quickening, I think that's the one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Annabelle two, the new batch. Yeah. Right. The deadly art of the creation. Illusion, right. Yeah. <laughs> Annabelle yeah. creation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Annabelle two, Annabelle. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, so this is the fourth conjuring movie. Sure. Right? Yeah, I believe in the we, Conjuring universe. Right. We saw the trailer. The and I, that's that's the first time it said like in the Conjuring universe. Which I think is ridiculous. Yes, and well, I love now, the Conjuring, but but it's expanding because now you've got the Nun coming out too, which is also which in is the stupid Conjuring universe. Oh, interesting. Um. So anyway, the, but this is from the director of Lights Out, uh, who seems like a real swell fella. Yeah. Um. And uh, very humble, and I would say there's an el- there's a vibe of like he's really happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. You know, which but is kind of nice. I kind of felt like during the 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 interview part at the beginning of the panel, or, or just the discussion between the the um, um, the the very sort of entertainment tonight e extra like type of uh, presenter. I forget her name. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know that being in that position calls for a certain thing, and she's yeah. good at it. But it is it's so fake. Yeah. Anyway. So makes, I was kind of almost like, makes me nauseous. Yeah, uh, during that the interview part, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's just get like, we're all here for Wonder Woman. <laughs> let's <laughs> just get to. And they showed a clip from Annabelle, and I was like, oh, hold on. 
it was great. Yeah, like this, this guy knows what he's doing. Like this is. Uh, I didn't see Lights Out. Did you see Lights Out, Terrence? Uh, I have not. I saw the. I've seen the original short. Right. Um. um which is brilliant, but. Uh. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. Like I said, this guy knows what he's doing. It was a. Uh, and this is what. Okay. I say this at every WonderCon wrap up and every Comic Con wrap up episode we do. Um. The more that studios will use these panels to show us actual scenes as opposed to just here's an extended trailer. You know, it's an exclusive trailer, but it's like, no, it's still a trailer. It's, it's still a lie. The trailer is a lie. Yeah. Whereas if you show us a scene, I actually have something to digest and something Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. One of my favorite Comic-Con movie panels ever was, uh, when Haywire came to Comic-Con and they showed the entire Gina Carano, Michael Fassbender hotel room fight scene in its entirety, including the spoiler at the end. Um, uh, and that was so exciting. Um, and I hate when I go to, it's kind of why I've lost interest in like the Marvel panels at Comic-Con because they don't really show you anything. They just show you, uh, no, it's a trailer, but it's three and a half minutes long instead yeah. of two and a half minutes or whatever. Yeah. It's an exclusive Comic-Con trailer, but it's like, I don't care. I want to see some actual footage. I want to get an idea of what this is. And I want to feel, I want to come away feeling like I know something about the movie that people who didn't attend the panel don't know that I can then go tell people about. And, 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 and Annabelle to the, uh, the creation, yeah. uh, or is it yeah, whatever it's called? I think it's yeah, creation. creation. Okay. Um, which is uh, Annabelle, Annabelle Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this, uh, you know, that this is case in point. I went in skeptical if they, and they showed a trailer at the end. If I just seen that trailer, I probably would have left still skeptical, but this scene was cool. That scene was very different than the trailer. Mm-hmm. The trailer, it was all you, you would, you'd be, Excused for, you know, it'd be understandable if you thought that it was just a, a film of jump scares, jump scares. And there's nothing wrong with jump scares, but, but it just looks, the trailers look so much more conventional, mm-hmm. but then you watch that clip and it's patient yeah, and it's quiet and it just, it, there's like, there's these nice reveals mm-hmm. and just, there's this stuff happening in the background that reminded me of Halloween in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And just, and you just heard it in the crowd, just this feeling of like, Oh, like just yeah. there's a, there, he has a night, a really, at least in that scene, a really nice sense of buildup that's miles away from the, and I'm sure there are probably jump scares here and there, but like sure. miles away from yeah. the tone of that trailer. Yeah. The trailer looked, it looked like a very serviceable, solid horror movie, but not one I care about that okay. clip got me interested in seeing it. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. Cause I remember going to WonderCon and seeing footage for the conjuring mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, it was, I think it, what, what they smartly did was it was similar to the trailer where it was just that scene of them playing hide and see the clap game. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 And just sitting with that in an audience and like yeah. knowing that something bad that was about that. to happen. I think, you know, James Wan got away from that in the sequel he tried to go a little too big and bombastic. And I think it, it hurt the conjuring too, for that matter. But it's good to hear that lights out is sort of lights, lights out. Oh my gosh. Uh, Annabelle, you know, 2.1 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> one, or like, like negative. Cause this is supposed to come before the, right. the last right. one. Um, Annabelle prequel. Yeah. Uh, but they're going with the more patient approach. It's like An- a square root of Annabelle. Annabelle yeah. in the temple of doom. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, Temple of Doom takes place before right. Age of the Lost Ark, because yeah. we all know. Well done. Um, okay, and then, yeah, so that was great. Then there was the thing we were there for, really, which was the DC stuff, um, which, uh, and 
in an excellent uh, use of time, they started by showing us the Justice League trailer that everyone's already seen. No. <laughs> um, and just, and that poor woman, she's like, I've watched this trailer a million times. I love it every time. But you know what? Wouldn't it be great to see it on a big screen? The thing that cracks me up about that, the, the woman who was hosting the, um, the, the panel, she was like, she was like, now I'm a big DC comics fan, as I'm sure you guys know. And I was like, wait, who are you? <laughs> right. I've never heard of you before. And yeah. I have never heard of you since. Yeah. Like, why am I supposed to know what you're into? I don't know why studios sort of shell out for these particular, you know, hosts. Cause it's like, we don't, you know, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no. we don't, it, it'd be so much, you know, just get somebody from the actual yeah. production. But then they brought out um, Jeff Johns, uh, who kept his Green Lantern, Lantern baseball cap on the whole time. Real class move, douchebag. <laughs> Come on. You're, you're trying to get, us, get me to see your movie, and you, like, can't. Anyway. He, but he he's wrote a lot of Green Lantern. But I'm saying... Don't wear a baseball cap. I feel like Kevin Feige oh, does. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy too. Uh, uh, I feel like it's, Tony. It's I feel the like, hat indoors thing. Yes, I feel like Tony Soprano. Remember when he went up at sure. Vesuvio yeah. to get with the hat, and he said, uh, "They don't serve they don't serve hot dogs here." They took the bleachers out years ago, and the guy still doesn't get in. He says, "Take off your hat," and then the waiter comes up to Tony and says, "Thank you." <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes of the Sopranos because I'm so like, yes, I'm with Tony. This is where I'm with Tony. Don't wear a baseball. Now, I have a doors. question about uh, Jeff Johns. Cause I heard that he said that like DC movies are ruled by three H's. It was like heart humor and humanity or something like that. And I was like, where did is he say that? the Here's second the- one? <laughs> where, the, where did the humor go? So I want to know if he addressed that at all. Here's the thing. Uh, uh-huh. During this panel, I was interested in the footage and the trailers. Mm-hmm. I was not so interested in the panels. And so uh, I threw in uh, earbuds uh, oh, anytime that, oh, the panels so like were like me. I do that all the time. Yeah, uh, no, thank you. But, Patty, <laughs> then the, but it was Patty Jenkins. It was Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins. Yes. And Patty Jenkins was great. Uh, I liked her. Um, she said... Um, some interesting things. She also said some surprising things like Chris Pine is one of the greatest actors she's ever worked with. But I'm not saying I doubt Chris Pine seems like a very talented actor, yeah. but it seemed like she went out of her way to be like, Chris Pine is fucking great. I don't know. It's, um, yeah, not uh, only that's good to hear. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's, he's a perfectly fine actor and maybe like a consummate professional and all that. But, but he's great in uh, the movie last year. Hell or high water. water. Yeah, yeah, high he water. is. And in a, in a, not a thankless role, but he had to know that he was not going to get the press. Right. It's not, the, it's the least showy of the, yeah. 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 But it's still kind of the core. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not only is it like, okay, well I wouldn't expect Chris Pine to be ever considered that, but what's more is like, I don't get the impression that his role in wonder woman is, is the film that's going to make people say, Hey, wait a second, what's going on here? But what yeah. it like, so you probably didn't hear all the, did you hear all the talk about Richard Donner's Superman? No. Okay. So, Essentially, he's like Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the mm. he's the sidekick slash love interest. But the thing, the first scene they showed, and I don't know, I'm wondering if you even picked up on this since you didn't hear them talking about it. Mm-hmm. But the first scene they showed was a direct homage to Richard Donner's Superman, oh, the neat. first one. Okay. Uh, in that they're you know walking down a city street. In this case, it's 1940s London, I think, yeah. as opposed to 1970s uh, Metropolis. But they're walking down a city street. Uh, they're being followed. He's he's clearly in charge at this point. Like mm. Chris, it's Chris Pine and, and Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. I don't know how you say Gadot. Gadot. Um, 
you know, uh, they're being followed. He realizes they're being followed. He pulls her into an alley and they get accosted, but you know, someone gets a uh, German or whatever gets to drop on them with the gun. So it's the alleyway, like mugging scene. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, from, from Superman and it, uh, up to the moment of him, like, like, um, uh, uh, Superman, (laughs) what's Clark, like Clark Kent. There we go. Um, you know, stepping in when the guy goes to shoot, stepping in front of, of right. her. But of course, he's a human. She's Wonder Woman. She at that point reaches around and blocks the bullet yeah. with mm-hmm. her wrist thing. So it was like a play on yeah. that Superman scene. And then it, from there, it goes into um, this part you saw. Uh, yes. a very, you saw everything I described. Um, uh, a very, I would say, a very cool uh, action scene. That scene I liked quite a bit, yes. Yeah, especially like because it's she's taking out dudes while she's swatting away bullets yeah uh with her wrist thing and there's a shot you know like i said it's in an alleyway there's one shot that's an overhead shot where you're just seeing like four guys around her at this point all shooting at her and you're seeing her very choreographed sort of swat away these bullets uh as she's then you know knocking the guns out of their hands or punching them in the in the head or whatever and knocking them out and then it ends with her using her uh lasso to to stop the last guy Uh it's a very cool that was a very cool scene yeah okay the scene after, uh, yes. Do you have anything else to add about that scene? Uh, I uh, yeah, I have some thoughts on it, but honestly, the 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 scene following, which is a bigger scene, yeah, which is her, fi- you know, fighting all these Nazis. You mentioned that there are moments that seemed very choreographed, or, or it, they just seemed choreographed. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I like for fight. I like fight choreography. I do as well, but. If something is oh, it seems overly choreographed, like okay, we worked this out ahead of time, guys, let's do it. Um, that's different, you know. For me, See, like that necessarily depends on the movie, and because that because what you're saying is not my problem with the second. What is your sec- problem with the second part? The Maybe slow motion. Oh well, absolutely. We don't need it. We don't need all of that like speed ramping. Yeah. Like I mean, it was. This it's been ten happened. years since three hundred. And yes. Zack Snyder, visionary director Zack Snyder, is still that, he that is the you know up until the he's the architect of ugh, the architect of the DC <laughs> extended universe. Up until yeah. you know he wrote the story for Wonder Woman. Um, so I'm not surprised, you know, visually that 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 sort of stuck. Yeah, yeah. and I but I liked that that. The previous scene didn't have any slow motion. It didn't. In it. it was a perfectly. Um, it, it felt. That's the thing. I don't want fights to actually be chaotic, but I. I. I'm fine with them seeming chaotic for me. Like as far as choreography and fights, like the raid redemption is like sets the standard. But I will say that what they've some of the stuff they've done in, in Daredevil is pretty great. Where it does feel it feels improvised by the characters, but it there's it's so it's so clean in many ways Mm -hmm. and you have a really, uh, and you mentioned haywire. That's a good example as well, where it just seems chaotic, but you also feel like you're in good hands. And that's something I got from the alley fight, but maybe honestly, maybe the reliance on post-production stuff made everything seem, uh, pre-planned and overly uh, choreographed to me. It didn't feel it didn't feel vibrant and vi- there was no vitality to it in my and, opinion. And well. it didn't feel like 
it, it felt like you know we talk about with the with the marvel movies like they marvel hires some director that we all really like and then they get like the, it, it ends up being a marvel movie more than it's their movie and mm. i didn't see anything of patty jenkins in that second yeah. fight i didn't see any personal stamp it felt like oh this is what happens in a dc movie is there's gonna be you know yeah. she's gonna get a chair smashed over her back in slow motion there's gonna be shards and then it's gonna ramp up i know it's in ramp up into her punching a dude in the face or whatever is that the one where she like skids on the floor and that she's in like the the bunker thing yeah Yeah, so they showed the 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 comic-con trailer had had uh part of this but we saw essentially the entire the entire sequence yeah dc it's very interesting to hear you say that because i've long wanted to talk about the the outdoor theory in regards to the marvel cinematic universe um because all of those movies are different. Um, <laughs> very different. And we can have yeah. a conversation about that. But for DC, I'm sad to hear that it didn't feel like there was a Patty Jenkins sort of in the material because that's Warner Brothers has sort of really touted themselves as like the director's studio. You know, we're going to let Christopher Nolan t- do his take on Batman. We're going to like Zack Snyder and, and, um, whoever. I just forgot the guy who did Suicide Squad. It was a David Ayer. It was like, this is going to be a David Ayer movie. And then I'm sure it was for a while. And then it's, yeah, it sort of gets slowly weaned out. Yeah. Uh, yeah maybe what's, I mean, well, and I could see Patty Jenkins showing up in the quieter moments of the film, mm-hmm. not so much the yeah, action. Right. So maybe, maybe there's some there. Anyway, um, any more thoughts on the Warner brothers panel? Uh, just that I was, I don't <laughs> like man of steel. I didn't like suicide squad and I don't like Batman V Superman. I keep waiting for something to come through. And there does look like there's a little bit of humor in justice league, which is like, Oh boy. But I also worry that that is the, like we've seen all the humor in the film. Yeah. In well, that my, trailer. my concern is, is with that is that they are overcorrecting. So like, I, I thought, it, I think the joke about, you know, Bruce being rich, you know, that's hilarious. I think that works. Yeah. Um, but like, it, it just it's, it's starting. I liked Ben Affleck in grizzled, angry mode that he was a yeah. Batman versus Superman. So if we're going to just you know lighter version, I'm just I'm a little wary. Um, but I'm. You Are know, you I'm, excited for Joss Whedon's Bad Girl? Uh, <laughs> I am. I, I when I saw that news because that came. I think that came out <laughs> during one day. I was like, what? <laughs> It was the day before WonderCon because it was the day yeah, we recorded our like, last uh, that's episode. Yeah, really okay, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Maybe that'll actually bring the lightheartedness. I don't know what they're doing with their. Effort. Maybe it's just because you know I want to see a Young Justice movie, uh-huh. and I feel that they are starting to get into those characters a little too early into the whatever thing that they're trying to build. No, that can be said about almost every character in the DC universe right now. Like they're <laughs> yeah. getting into a lot of these characters too early. Yeah. Which is why I find wonder woman fascinating in that they decided to make it like a, an origin story. And it's like, yeah. at, at this point, like she's established in the modern world. So it's different than what Marvel did with captain America. Cause it was like, we had modern day heroes, but we hadn't met him yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already met her and we know that she's awesome and we know that she's in this really cool 1940s photo with fur and, and her Steve, you know, the dude standing and her whole, you know, whatever group of people. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they plan to, to sort of tell that story over time. I think what ultimately gets me is anytime there is, I'll just go ahead and use the term universe, but I'll mm-hmm. go Extended ahead and universe, yeah. but I'll mention like the, 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 
the world of Harry Potter. I'll mention Lord of the Rings. And even Marvel, to a certain extent, even though there, I don't find it to be a remarkably stylized world. Mm-hmm. But these are worlds that every time there's a new movie, is, even though I, I didn't really like Civil War and I didn't really like Ant-Man, I... What? I loved Civil War. Yeah, most, peop- uh, most people ahead. do. Yeah, and I, I really like Ant-Man. Yeah, it's, uh, I know I'm on the outs, but I really love Do- Doctor Strange. But I'm, I'm, I'm eager to come back into the Marvel world. Mm-hmm. I'm eager to come back to Harry Potter. I'm eager to come back to Lord of the Rings. Um, well, Even after the, yeah. the yeah. movies? <laughs> I, I'm saying Lord of the Rings. Pardon me. Yes. Uh, when, when the sets are real... Uh-huh. Then I'm fine with it. Okay. Yes. I went to Hobbiton so, in so New just, Zealand. That oh. was fun. So really, just Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm but, exactly, but, I'm so, yeah. Some of the places are, are are some of the sets at least are real, and the other two. But but nonetheless, like it just it it at least, it at least feels you know tactile and all mm-hmm. that. But I I don't. And just because I don't doesn't mean nobody does. But I don't want to go back to this world of DC. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I like. I do want to go back to the world of Batman. I like Ben Affleck's Batman. I like the idea of J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. I like Jeremy Irons as Alfred. That all sounds really great. But when he's part of this larger thing, it's like, okay, well, I know what my favorite part is going to be. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, it's just, I'm fine with something being serious. I'm fine with it being humorless. But when it's just dour and grim, and it yeah. feels that, in my opinion, artificially or self-consciously, gotcha. I just, it's not a thing I want to be a part of. I think it just bothers me. With, with regards to Wonder Woman in that respect, I, I really hope, I just want superheroes that like doing the job. Like That's, yeah. that's my biggest, I, I think Henry Cavill is a fine choice for Superman. Um, I liked Man of Steel. Um, but one of the things that's irked me, Superman is my favorite superhero. So that's why this is sort of, is like, he is just so sad (laughs) all the time. And I was like, can somebody in this universe actually enjoy, you know, putting the criminals in jail, like not branding them so they die. But like, you know, I hope Wonder Woman has a sense of, she's like, I'm doing my duty and I like being the protector of this world. I really hope that that's something that they can lean into it looks like they're going to do that with the flash but it is noted that they cast ezra miller as the flash who's not who though a good actor i don't immediately associate with like lighthearted and carefree yeah especially so, not after fantastic beasts my god i know we need to talk about the flash um because he was in we need to talk about kevin is what i'm saying yes oh, anyway see I, I i didn't see we need to talk about kevin i didn't, oh, it's, I didn't see fantastic beasts either yeah yeah um, it's what, rather dour what do you guy. do with your time other than watch, you know, movies <laughs> that <That's>, you should. <laughs> I watch, I watch other movies that I should. Fair enough. I watch, uh, you know, smarty pants movies. <laughs> 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 movies about uh, the origins of golf and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. Uh, God. By which right. I mean the miniature golf course I used to go to, golf and stuff in Ventura. It actually does exist. <laughs> it's called golf and stuff. That's fun. The in stuff um, is uh, actually quite depressing. But okay. All right. Last thing for me, and then literally last thing because I didn't do anything on Sunday. I right. just uh, the Jack and I just went back. We got some Del Taco and we went back to Los Angeles. Uh, I didn't give my dog Del Taco. <laughs> That's he probably eats a good idea. Um, I like that. I I will eat like you know a pound and a half of Del Taco. Where I was like, I didn't feed it to my dog. I'm not cruel. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, no, the last thing I I saw, I saw uh, was the the pilot uh, of Class, the uh, Doctor Who spinoff, mm. um, which I which I quite liked. Um, it was 
uh, it seems to be, you know, Doctor Who is a, you know, I guess a sci-fi property, a sci-fi universe, but they're clearly going for a Buffy type thing with class. It takes place in a high school. It's a team, you know, a group of the kids come together and uh, they realize that, oh, this high school is a hot spot for interdimensional activity um, and we're going to fight whatever beasts come mm, through these mm-hmm. rifts together to the point where they actually use the word hellmouth knowingly near near the end like oh, wow. to, to, to acknowledge, yeah, we know we owe a debt to Buffy. But basically, at least in the first episode, Another debt to Buffy that it owes is that it clearly seems to be going more of a horror route than a sci-fi route. Hmm. Um, Hmm. And I guess uh, uh, I'm not sure if this is this surprised me. Um, not the horror thing, but what surprised me is, uh, how bloody the pilot was. Um, cause Buffy was never that bloody. And also Dr. Who is generally considered to be kid friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Torchwood, you know, the other spinoff wasn't kid friendly at all. Um, uh, but that had more to do with how sexual Torchwood. Did you watch Torchwood? No, I didn't, but I was going to ask if, if it wasn't kid friendly just because of, you know, the main character didn't he, he was bi on the show yeah yeah I, I would say he was he was yeah he was maybe almost pansexual because gotcha. he would have sex with aliens and whatever yeah. but it was it's not just the fact that he's bisexual that made it not kid friendly it's the fact that he was a <laughs> just a you know a total total slut um, <laughs> i can't even jokingly use that word yeah. i don't like it at all yeah. uh, i immediately hated myself that i said it but uh yeah class is um super bloody or at least by the end it gets super bloody like a student gets impaled another student gets his leg chopped off uh it was um interesting interesting stuff um Jeez. but it seems to be uh setting up for what could be uh, a cool a cool series um i will say this though and this is something tyler i talked to you about this and i want to do an episode on this someday i feel like as tv has become more prestigious the the look the aesthetic of tv has in some ways improved i think there's a higher level of professionalism uh, and, and care going into the way the TV shows are shot and lit and color timed and processed and everything uh, to where it looks more, uh, more professional. But I think the other thing that ha- that's happened is a lot of this sort of mid range prestige TV has come to look the same. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's just this sort of like, there's sort of a ceiling. Uh, yeah. Or, or it just seems like there's, yeah, we'll have, you know, these shots will be well composed and it'll have, you know, a nice gray and blue sort of color, color scheme. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be, you know, there are very few, um, of these, uh, TV shows, you know, these, these peak TV type of shows, um, that have a, a distinct visual style, like certainly breaking bad had one. And I would say mad men, um, well, everything Brian Fuller touches, I think. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's know. a good one. But it does seem like there's a there's just a lot of shows that look it's like well they they clearly put some care into how this looks but they also didn't put a lot of personality into it so I've been mean, my my one takeaway of class is that it kind of looks like every other TV show in its sort of group that's I totally understand now <laughs> yes all right, all right. Uh, and that's that's my wonder God. <laughs> okay so Saturday I did go to the Midnight Texas uh, series premiere yes. how was it uh. It was, um, there's potential, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to not judge a movie by its pilot. TV show. Uh, Sorry. Uh, uh, no, I mean movies that have pilots in them, you know, like Sully, (laughs) like Sully. It's like, "Mm, 
this guy's all right, but let's see the rest of the movie. Sully. Or Flight. Or Flight, flight yeah. Executive Decision. Those are the three movies that have pilots in them that I can think of. Yeah. I think that's the end of it. Just those three movies. You'd think there would have been pilots in the airport series, but there wasn't. <laughs> oddly enough. Or the airplane. Uh, yeah, I think that was. I think that was a big flaw with those series. Um, um, but yeah, that's something. As a guy who used to watch a lot of TV, like I said, I don't yeah. really watch TV anymore. But uh, yeah, that's something you have to learn really quick. Is that there are um, there are almost no TV shows ever where the pilot is the best episode, and if right. there are, that's not a good TV show. Uh, yeah, Walking Dead. I'm looking at you. Um, but what I will say is that there are shows that have a very good pilot. They don't have to be the best episode, mm-hmm. but they have a, a very good pilot. And this, it was so focused on explaining everything. And it left nothing. I mean, there's ultimately it's like, okay, now that we know everything about everybody. Mm-hmm. Now let's see what happens next. Now that it's been well established who everyone is, what their powers are and all that. And just, it leaves nothing All the mysteries are plot based. There's no character mysteries at all. Mm. And Uh that to me is a huge problem because this is a film. Sorry. This is a show that is more than similar to twin peaks. I think it's definitely trying Mm. to capture a certain tone uh, but the thing with Twin Peaks is you're introduced to a bunch of characters, you get a sense of them, but over the course of that show, it just deepens and you get to know r- who they really are. And then they, and then they change sometimes. Yeah. Whereas this, there was only one character that, you know, as, as one of our, as one of our characters is explaining everyone to the protagonist, mm-hmm. they say, mm-hmm. now the preacher I don't know his deal. And I thought <laughs> that's not what she says, but it's like that. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, so there's one character we don't know about. Now the preacher, I get the impression there's more to learn about. Right, right. If I were you, I'd stay tuned. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, never mind. Yeah. Uh, so she does that. And then at the very end of the movie, like, uh, sorry, at the very end of the show, Three times you don't sorry, know. everybody, <laughs> uh, I guess I don't watch TV either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And she's like, man, these movies are long. Uh, so at the at the end of the episode, everybody in town is like gathered around because someone's being arre- has been arrested for the murder of a of a, a young woman whose corpse washes up on a sh- on shore, mm-hmm. wrapped in plastic. Nope. Oh, see, close enough though. I threw you a curveball there. I know. Well, I put that in my review. I said, I said she's dead, not wrapped in plastic. So I guess that's something. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> it's hard not to just love Jack Nance and be like, she's dead yeah. wrapped in plastic fish in the percolator, you know, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, so everyone's gathered around and then the pre the f- fucking preacher says he, like, everyone's trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do? And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, he goes, well, there's a full moon coming. I'm not going to be around for a few days. And it's like, all right, so that's his deal. <laughs> Probably uh, one, uh, the one mystery, one character based yeah. mystery is solved. It's just such a, it is a mess and it just feels like, sure. The show can be, the show can get a lot better, but the, for me, the pilot has messed so much up as far as just pure exposition yeah. that there's no joy. I don't think there can be any joy of discovery about who, the nature of these characters. Everything is explained. Yeah. And that's, I was, that's a shame to hear because it's written, the book series is written by the same author who did True Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and True Blood is one of my first four seasons of that. 
one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> um, I don't acknowledge or respect the last three. Uh, but one of the things that's brilliant about that is you learn about everybody's powers sort of in action. Yeah. Like you find out about, like you, you hear about the vampires and then it's like, we notice that Bill is special to Sookie because she can hear everybody else's thoughts in this room, but his. Yeah. And so I don't, and particularly all you need to do is say, Hey, this is a town full of supernatural people. It's like, we don't need, you know, necessarily to know everybody's powers or have it explained to us. Like we just see it, you know, have the full moon pop up and then be like, where's the preacher? You yeah. Know? That'd be <laughs> neat. That alone is, is enough. Right? But instead we have, uh, a character who is a, a vampire. I do not recall the character's name, but mm-hmm. uh, I know he's a vampire because he says, uh, yeah, he says, I want to suck your blood, which Dracula <laughs> never said, by the way. Yeah. Um, but no, he says, he says to the main character, like he's describing what he is. And he says, some would say vampire. And I think, wow, you just met this guy and you're throwing that out there. That is uh, off putting. Yeah. And yeah, the idea of, of letting, letting it, develop and show and, and come about over time uh, is something they were not interested in. I wonder if they just thought like, we need to, we need to hook the viewer. We yeah. need to sell this concept. And in doing so, I feel like they didn't actually have any faith in the concept. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's a bummer. Cause like, yeah. you know, genre fans will be like, Oh, there's a whole bunch of monsters. Okay. That's, yeah. that's all. <laughs> that's all we need. You know, that's vamp vampire diaries is, you know, werewolves and vampires and witches in, in the same town. Teen Wolf is, is, is the same way. Are there vampires in Teen Wolf? No, there are not. They didn't do vampires. Um, but it's, it'd be so much... a lot of things great either, but that's not that's conversation for today. It would be so much fun if they established that... Like, maybe they reveal two people mm-hmm. and what they can do. And then you have someone say, like... You know, you eventually have have to have the protagonist say, "What is this place?" Because that's what people ask yes. in movies and TV shows like this. Um, and then the person says, "Like, can just be even a little clunky about it and just say, let's just say this is not a town like any other town. It's been established that there are two people. There's at least two people who have special things, and then it's hinted that there are others. And it leaves you to think, like, gosh, I wonder what everybody else's is. Yeah, how exciting! I can't wait to tune in. But now, ultimately, it's like, all right, who killed this girl? And that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't get a sense of who she is. Whereas the, yeah. the pilot of Twin Peaks makes it very clear who Laura Palmer, right. who everybody thought she was, and then hints that there was more to her. And, and then who are all these other people? It's, it's, a, it's a mystery that, uh, that lends itself, that allows, or I guess it spurs on character development and exposition, as opposed to this is pure character exposition, and I guess there's a mystery there at the mm-hmm. end. Round up the usual monsters. Indeed. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> That's a good way to put a button get, on Get Saturday. the monster squad out there. <laughs> what did you guys do on Sunday? Well, I also went to the oh, panel sorry. for the comic book legal defense fund okay. uh, on Saturday. And there's talking about the state of censorship in, in 2017. And uh, it really, uh, that, that, that uh, organization is doing very good work. Yeah. Uh, look them up. And I didn't write any of any of the stuff down. It's, it's more just, it is. And, and they, they're very much focused on comic books mm-hmm. and they, and someone would say, well, why only comic books? And it's like, because comic books are targeted more than your average book because there are images. And uh, so, yeah. um, and so there is a, a comic book called like manga man, 
or a manga boy. I don't remember exactly, but it's basically a character from a, from a, a manga. I said, mm-hmm. I, I think it's manga. Anyway, uh, he's from that, but he, he lives in the real world. And so he has like the giant eyes and nobody else does. And at one point he's going to like have sex with his girlfriend, but there's a rule in Japan that you can't show genitals. So his genitals are actually like pixelated <laughs> and, and his girlfriend is like, what is going on there? He goes, he's like, everything's there. It just, uh, you just can't see it. But even though you specifically don't see genitals, there were parents groups that thought this was uh, really, uh, uh, this was really yeah. scandalous and that kind of thing. And it, it, it speaks to people just have this thought that in the same way that, we talk about with movies like Watchmen or Logan or something like that. People just think if it's a comic book movie, it's good for kids. If it's a comic book, it's got drawings in it. Oh, Books right. with yeah. drawings are for children. Yeah. So this yeah. is for children. It's like, no, not everything is. Yeah. And so it was, a, it was a, it wasn't necessarily eye opening, but it was very interesting. I was very happy. I went to that panel. So that was my Saturday. And then Warner brothers and I, you know, and after that, right. uh, we hung out with friends again. Did we? What did we do? We went to the Hilton and hung out with oh. uh, with uh, Matt, Pat, Patterson Matt Patterson. And Patterson. Yeah, it must have been a good time. You didn't remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess not. <laughs> oh yeah, I also went to. I forgot on Saturday before before class. I did go to. Speaking of Matt Patterson and, and Dan from uh, Warner Archive, I went to the Toonstock panels. They do right. every year where they do a sing along to the uh, yeah. Batman Brave and the Bold uh, Mayhem of the Music Meister episode. Um, this is on April Fool's Day, so Gary Mirnow, 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 whatever, who was hosting it, uh, uh, in, in that episode initially, um, Neil Patrick Harris voiced the music meister, mm-hmm. and so he said, and welcome our special guest, Neil Patrick Harris, and everyone went, <gasps> and then he went, April Fool's, and I was like, uh. fucking holiday. Um, <laughs> what did you guys do on Sunday? Sunday, April 2nd. Sunday was basically like the sort of personal like oh this sounds like a cool you know career path panel mm-hmm. um yeah. I, and i went to all of those so I, the first one i went to was make a nerdy living which was like all of these people who have written like you know nerdy books or they do cosplay mm-hmm. or they do and i was i got out the i was like the theme of that panel really was like you just have to make you know your own way don't wait for anybody else to make a path for you and it was just cool to see all the you know it was a mix of people who are in academia um and just seeing sort of what they had to do to get to where they are. I went to a TV, breaking into TV, which was uh, hosted by somebody who wrote on Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was funny because they got really real. And I was surprised. And I was like, oh, this is, I, I like, once again, because all the panels that I went to on Sunday were not hosted by Entertainment Weekly, you know. Mm-hmm. ET, E Online, they were hosted by people who are actually in the industries that they were talking about, and it yielded much more interesting conversation. And the final one I went to was about TV and fan interaction, and that one was fascinating because they had three writers' assistants and then two writers from Chicago PD and DC Legends of Tomorrow talking about TV writers and how they interact with fans and how that sort of drives story and all that. And I was expecting that panel to be very, very messy, unfortunately it was not as messy as I hoped it would be. (laughs) Um, because you know, my, I've, I've watched a lot of sort of teen related shows. You could say I am, I am 
even though I'm 28, I'm the target audience for your, <laughs> you know, supernatural drama that's aimed at people younger than me. I, I'm the target audience. Uh, and I've often found with those shows, like they embrace fan interaction to a point. Um, and sometimes to their detriment, they will go against what the fans want. There's like this, and one of the DC Legends tomorrow writer was like, oh, we, you know, we think we give the fans, we don't give the fans what they want. And for me, watching any kind of TV, that is such a harsh line to take. Because I'm like, sometimes I was like, sometimes you've earned, you know, the ship. You know, you've earned these two characters getting together. Don't just do something else solely because, like, all of the fans agree. Right. Um, hmm. Like, why would you go away from that? Like, you, Teen Wolf is the perfect example. It's like they... The one there's like one relationship on that show that everybody in the fandom agrees, and that's the sheriff and Melissa McCall. And it's like they put Melissa McCall with the father of the daughter who her son, who's like her son's one true love who died at the end of season three. And it's like, why would you do that? So getting to hear from them about you know, choices that they make, getting a little insight into the business about, you know, sometimes on your favorite show, when an actor gets written off and you're like, why the hell are they getting written off? It's probably because they got another deal, but they can't really talk about why they got written off. They just have to write them off of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then, isn't that what happened with, to go back to something you said earlier, that girl on the 100, like yeah. everyone was so pissed off, but yes. they, it, it was kind of out of their hands, right? She, she apparently got show. a show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so then they, it, they started talking about... Or sometimes they get a DUI, like half the cast of Lost. Yeah, it was like, they <laughs> they talked about sort of like, it's really about the execution of the moment. So it's like, you can, you know, write them this... They talked about writing on Chicago PD, talking about writing a, a downward spiral for a character, and, mm-hmm. and it led to her, you know, getting kicked off. They were like, in real life, like, she would have just got put on paid suspension and gone to rehab and then come back. But they were like, but this is a show and we know the actress wasn't coming back. So we just sort of had her get fired and leave. Um, so they talked a lot about that. And then it was also fun to hear from the writer's assistants talking about interacting with fans. Um, because a lot of them run the Twitter accounts for their respective shows. A girl on there was from Lucifer. And she, she mentioned that I need to... Cause she mentioned this. I was like, Oh, I need to go back and start watching Lucifer again. So Lucifer is this, basically the devil comes to Los Angeles, solves crimes with a cop. That's, that's the show. So if you could get that, then like other things in the show shouldn't be a surprise to you. Like Lucifer potentially sleeping with men as well as women. Or she was, she mentioned what specific was like, there's a scene. They actually showed Lucifer in an Eiffel tower. Uh huh. And I won't, I'll just let that sit there. Like you, I'm, I won't describe what it is, but just like, if you think about it, or if you go to like Urban Dictionary, you figure out what Eiffel Tower is. Okay. And I was like, oh, you actually showed that on the show? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we got a lot of pushback. So that was really interesting for her interacting with the fans and, and sort of being the showrunners and the writers laughing about that whole situation. Um, so it, it was nice to get that little peek back at sort of what they were doing. But uh, Speaking of Lucifer. Yes. I, <laughs> I hate that every procedural... It seems like every procedural is like, hey, here's a hot lady, no nonsense cop. Yes. And here's a weird guy who's going to team up with her and help her solve crimes. Yeah. Isn't that essentially like literally every other TV show? It yes. seems like. And the fact that they took Lucifer. Yeah. Like the premise is that Satan wants to l- walk Earth for a while and mm-hmm. leave his, you know, uh, hellbound duties uh, behind. They took that premise and said, 
let's make it a buddy cop procedural. Yeah. That's so strange. It worked me. in the first season. The second season. <laughs> I, I watched the pilot and I was like, this is what this show's going to be. It got better because it, yeah, it got, it got better because they started deepening the mythology and they brought in other angels and, and demons uh, in not Dan Brown, but you know, um, real quick while I have the, the floor, um, I forgot to mention the dumbest question I've ever heard. Oh yeah. At the uh, Warner brothers panel. And I feel like this, which I didn't hear cause my yeah, earbuds were yeah, in, which is smart. this woman, she seemed very nice and sweet. I don't want to make fun of her, but I guess I am going to kind of, because I was, <laughs> I laughed. She asked, this was during the Annabelle portion. Yeah. She went up and she asked, I just wanted to ask, um, what is the, <laughs> sorry, what is the release date of the movie? <laughs> It's just so funny to me because it's like, this is all a big promotional thing. Yeah. Do you really think they're going to let you out of here with not, without telling you when the movie yeah. comes out? They're like, well, I this hope you guys enjoyed this. We actually don't have a date yet. <laughs> yeah. She was concerned. It could have been like Avatar, you know, I did I, come out sometime. When David told me I had this, uh, I had a theory that uh, she was a plant uh, by the studio. <laughs> uh, they're yeah. like, now you've... Look, you've convinced me that this movie's going to be amazing. Here's yeah. my question to you, though. When does this movie come out? Like, it just... I could see that. <laughs> anyway, I looked at Eiffel Tower. <laughs> it's not it as scandalous as I thought. Yeah, but okay. Lucifer airs on Fox. Okay. Yeah, that is... Yeah, still basic cable. Okay, well, I guess I'll look it up later. No, you don't have to, uh, you know. I'm so curious, though. Yeah. Um, so, okay. <laughs> if you've watched porn you've seen you just didn't know it was called that you've, oh, probably, yeah. you've definitely when, seen when it. somebody yeah because i was like what okay yeah. well i've seen my fair share of it uh and uh but you know what it, it, as sometimes happens uh there's a lot of terms i don't know <laughs> um yeah but uh, that's true you know what I, me too i think i come off as kind of a prude but really i just i just prefer to be a lady in the streets you know what i'm saying I don't know what you mean by that. Is that a lyric from something or is well, the other half is a freak in the sheet, a freak in the sheet. Oh, got it. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 So that, that's who I am. So sometimes I know I come off as like, Oh boy, but blushing about <laughs> oh, oh my, yeah. Pearl clutching and blushing, but it's like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your way around a, uh, actually, I'm not going to finish that. Uh, okay. So my, so my Sunday and you know, it occurred to me, I think that, uh, I think I missed something on Saturday. I went to just a, a, a professional panel of like yeah. how to get your book into the hands of your readers. And as I'm putting out a book yes. soon, I figured that would be an important thing. And it did give me some ideas. Um, more than one lesson.com click on uh, Kickstarter. We got nine more days to raise $300. Um, sorry, we've already reached the goal. Yeah, but I, I want, like, wait, <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to get to 200% funded if possible. So anyway, uh, so on Sunday I went to one of the, uh, one of the comics art conferences and this one was about team dynamics, which was very interesting because it just looks at the Avengers. It looks at the justice league. It looks at the X-Men, just any team. Yeah. And it kind of deconstructs here's the leader and here's what the leader does. And here's why the leader is the leader as opposed to one of these other characters. There's the hothead character. There's the, yeah. the, the goofball character and the, the comic relief. But then there's the heart of the team and the heart of the team is, is rarely who you would think of. Like for the X-Men, the heart of the team was Nightcrawler. Um, in that it, I believe they said Nightcrawler or Colossus. Um, in that, 
you you see the effect they have on separate members of the team and you realize that this person is often a stabilizing calming influence mm-hmm. even on the hothead or the leader like is just somebody who supports everybody and and is content to be sort of in the background and so it was just uh, something that i found very interesting and they said by the way and the panel had psychologists mm-hmm. and they basically said you know these team dynamics are not specific to comic books, by the way. Uh, this is how almost any group of five or more that are together on a regular basis, it mm-hmm. could be at your office, it could be, you know, whatever, like, it could be your group of friends, as long as you guys are together on a regular basis, and this is a uh, this is an established group, you will actually start to find these dynamics emerging. What, what are the archetypes again? You've got the heart? There's, uh, there's the leader, mm-hmm. there's the hothead, okay. there's the heart, there's the comic relief, and I feel like there. I feel like they mentioned one or two others, but I don't remember. I didn't write them all down. But it was something I found uh, very okay. interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I'm trying so. to like cast myself like in my coworkers. Yeah, I think I'm like yeah. Is the was, was the one like the broody guy who doesn't talk to anybody? That's kind of the hothead. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even though he doesn't, I don't lose my temper. Yeah, but it's the person who is who's you know, reluctant to be part of the larger group, you know? Yeah. So they mentioned Wolverine and then they mentioned, you know, his, his repeated line in the, in the animated series where it says, I go where I want to go. That sounds like a David Bax at the office. (laughs) No. Hey David, can you come to this meeting? I go where I want to go. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're, that's already more words than I try to use. (laughs) (laughs) And again, like I said before, I like my job a lot. I like the people I work with, but, uh, yeah, the more time I can spend at work with my headphones in the better. Yes. I'm the better a day. I know talking to coworkers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it got me thinking about my cohort at school and I realized that, uh, Oh (laughs) shit, I guess I'm the hothead. Um, because I'm constantly talking about how dumb everything is that we're doing. And, uh, but it doesn't, but I don't necessarily remove myself. I do talk a lot, but what I say is very mean. Um, Uh, it's not mean, you know, I try to be ingratiating, but it doesn't always happen. Um, anyway, so I went to that and then I went to, uh, I went to the Warner archive panel about, uh, 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 kids WB in the late nineties, early two thousands, which yeah, was after, which yeah, was after, after my time. time, but it was interesting. Okay. Uh, Phil Lamar was on the panel. I like seeing him. Diedrich Bader was on there. Mm. Um, and I just enjoy, I, I tend to enjoy the way Gary and Matt and Dan, I like the way they run their panels and yeah. it was uh, quite delightful. And the stuff that Matt unearths, uh, is something I'm always fascinated by. Like he, he had all these bumpers from the WB that was very, it was very nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I was very happy. I, I got to go to this. It was, uh, the psychology of, they focused in on Batman, the animated series, but they also talked about, I think it was just the psychology of animated series and they focused in on Batman and X-Men mm-hmm. and they showed clips from, from both. And, and one of the people on the, uh, on the panel was uh, a writer for Batman, the animated series. He wrote the first uh, Riddler episode, which is very exciting uh-huh. for me. Yes. He, but he also talked about what it was to, he was assigned the clock King. Now I love the clock King. I think they, I think he did a great job with that character and he just talked about the psychology of these characters and that you need to give every villain something, even if they're already a little bit off, you have to give them something that the audience can say, Hey, I've been there, man. 
And with the Riddler, it's you didn't get the recognition that you deserved. Mm -hmm. Not even that you feel entitled to, that you actually do objectively deserve. With the Clock King, it's someone comes along who doesn't know your life, doesn't know your routine. They make a suggestion and they do so with a fair amount of confidence and they just do it with impunity. And maybe you follow their advice, maybe you don't, but they just feel like they can judge you. Um, and so it was just very interesting the, the, the approach that they took. And these are the panels I like where you have people that are not there promoting anything. They're there to speak, you know, often in retrospect about these things (laughs) now that we have some years on them. And yet, given that format, you would think that the 1987 panel would have been better. And, and it's, why I, it's why I keep going to these, because I keep thinking that they, they will magically turn into these other panels that I'm talking about. They've got 30 years to think about these movies, and they managed to just scra- barely scrape the surface. And I'm being generous when I say that. They just like to slide their fingers along the surface. No I, scraping at all. I like that this episode of Battleship Pretension has a twist ending where it turns out the secret thesis the entire time yes. has been about how awful these na- these thirty year ago uh, geek magazine. You should go. Were. You guys should go to one of these. I went, and I went to one. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, there will be like one person on the panel that somehow manages to like Trojan horse. Like they'll be talking about one movie and then suddenly they're back. Oh, you know, another movie that came out this year was, uh, and they mentioned like a really great mm-hmm. drama mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. And then like the terrible moderator isn't having any of it. And he's like, well, okay, well we should move on. And he just has no idea of, of how, how conversations work. He'll like interrupt. He'll, he'll go to someone and say, now, what do you think about this? What do you think? And he had this thing. Sorry, I'm back to this. I love it. Yeah. He had this thing where he said, you know, 1987 was the best movie geek year ever. And that's how he would say it. Okay, fair enough. That's his thesis for this thing. So he'd but say, he said that's also what he says every year. That's the thing. Right. But I guess that it definitely worked its way okay. into, uh, into uh, the titling of this one as well. Um, and so he... So like, imagine I'm, I'm going to you. Okay. And I'm going to throw it to you about princess yeah. bride. Now, David, t- uh, tell me about the princess bride. Well, it's, uh, tell uh, me why the princess bride <laughs> oh, is part of the best <laughs> movie year ever. Now, here's the thing. I just did that as kind of a bit. Uh-huh. It's, it's funny to throw to someone and then interrupt them immediately. Yeah. Yeah. This guy was not doing, sorry, he was doing a bit, but not the good one. He was doing the bit that he's going to keep saying this. And I don't think he realized he was interrupting people. It just, it <laughs> so frustrating. I like the idea of a sitcom where the characters like forget that they have a catchphrase <laughs> and they have to like, Oh, sorry. Uh, and then they have to say, did, yeah. oh, did I, did I do that? Yeah. Or, or whatever. That'd and you could see the panelists be. getting angry. You could see them being like, yeah, best movie ever. Anyway. So here's what I was going to say about RoboCop and just, uh, uh all I right. think you should be on one of those. Panels. Definitely. Holy shit. I hope he asked, but you. not moderating. I hope he asks you to just be on a panel just to, uh, and then I will show up just to see your reaction when he interrupts you. <laughs> I would, I would lose my mind. <laughs> you know what? Excuse I threw, me. That's what you'd say. Uh, uh, sir, <laughs> may I please uh, finish? Thank you. So what I was going to say about uh, predator, um, you know All what? Right. I, I would throw in my earbuds. That's what I would do. Oh my God, that'd be great. <laughs> All right. Well, um, 
Is that it? That is yeah. it. Okay, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. We didn't mention before, um, but the uh, of course, we still want to uh, tell you about the uh, Space Invaders commentaries. Indeed. We did mention it before. I yeah. don't know what I'm saying. But we didn't talk about how um, they're available on the website, and they're it's $10 for the bunch. Yeah, $10 or, for about eight and a half hours of content. Yeah, or mm-hmm. you can also buy them individually, but that's not, I mean... You'd spend more, and also that's not the way they're supposed to be heard. Yeah, and it's we do can, this this way for a reason. Yeah. And for you, can, you, you can still enjoy them, but they do build over the course yeah, of yeah. those eight hours. So, and if you enjoyed uh, Terrence, and how could you not check out that Independence Day commentary? Yes. But you know what? Get all four of them, and then you you have to earn Terrence. Go. That's yes. the way I look at it. <laughs> um, so, pretension dot com is where you can find all all that, all our movie reviews, um, and also. Um, you can, uh, if you want to, if you have a question for, for me and Tyler, for our, uh, ask BP video mailbag segment, email me, David at battleship Um, if you have anything else, you can email Tyler at Tyler battleship You can follow me, David on Twitter at Davey pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler pretension. Uh, what's going on in your other world of podcasts? Uh, so the Kickstarter is still going, as I mentioned, it's going to be going for nine more days. Uh, so please do, uh, help us out. Go to more than one lesson.com and click on Kickstarter. Uh, you know, pledges start at $5, but starting at 20, you actually will get a copy of the book shipped to you, provided you live in the, the United States or Canada. How about um, that? And so, uh, and then right now we do have uh, an episode about uh, Hacksaw Ridge with the companion film uh, Chariots of Fire. And then next week we're going to be talking about <laughs> the case for Christ, uh, the case for Christ. All right. Uh, Terrence, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at lenoirauto.net. L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Um, I'm also writing for Screen Rant. Um, oh. And I am on Twitter at, at Lenoir Tour. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks at home hard. for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.